Okay. Hey, everybody. Oh, don't call in just yet. Can't have that. So I hope you're all chilling out. It is 6.56 p.m. on the East Coast on a Thursday evening, a summery Thursday evening. It's been a wet blanket of a week, literally. But, you know, I think that uh, if it, I'm feeling a lot drier tonight than I did last night. And I'm happy for that because the air conditioner is not working nearly as hard as it had to the last couple of days. And tonight we are going to be able to really stretch out with some awesome, awesome conversation that I've been waiting to have with uh, some experienced people for a long time now. And I'm sure it's going to be the first time we do this first time of many and um and and, and i and i know that it's going to be a good show you know why because something remarkable has already happened i'll talk to you about that in uh in a little bit when we when we officially kick off after the pre-show ends but uh tonight we are going to be joined by reverend bill bean that's billjbean.com to discuss his work as a minister and an exorcist and we'll have the time to learn about his life before his ministry the different classifications of spiritual vexation and how to diagnose possession, on and on and on, because we have wonderful questions from the audience that's been submitted as well. And along with him is a friend, associate, demonologist, Jason McLeod, who are kind of on tour together um, at the time, and we'll we'll discuss all that in turn. So we're going to be able to really... Uh, squeeze a lot of that out of this topic for for tonight and spend the majority of time on it so thank you to my sponsors bluemonsterprep.com and all of my wonderful affiliates on the affiliates page on quite frankly.tv just to remind you the rest of the week is just tomorrow it's me and matt hanging out shane cashman will be calling in we'll be discussing a little bit of the little bit more of the Long Island serial killer and then some other things that I wanted to do in the second half including some media from today I, I mean, if you have, if you missed, if you missed that, uh, I didn't watch it live because I can't, I can't do these, uh, these hearings anymore, not with this Congress or any Congress, but if you missed what was attempted to be done to RFK Jr. today, then you've got to at least go look at some highlights. It's, it's despicable, but it's wonderful to see it tried on somebody who has such a higher IQ than every mongrel on the committee. I mean, it is just in, in, incredible, incredible how outclassed they all are, and um, but it's just more of the same over there. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Actually, here's a little bit of it. There's a headline from the Post Millennial: House Democrats attempt to censor RFK Jr. during a censorship hearing. They have absolutely nothing to say. It is just a um, constant upchuck. During Thursday's select sub subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government hearing, Democrat rep representatives attempted to censor 2024 presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy. So this is all looped into the Missouri v. Biden case, which is, um, on my understanding, one of the most important cases in American history as it pertains to just how cozy the relationship between our government and new media really is, was, and they, what they want to continue up the way it you know everything and anyway rfk jr was one of the first major public figures to be censored through this through this relationship that is ongoing between the government and facebook and at the time twitter and elsewhere so it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because 
the future of the whatever's left of the First Amendment is definitely at stake here. And uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow, and I definitely want to do a big dive into the, the case at large. Anthony Weiner is another one we're going to talk about tomorrow as well. Uh, he went ballistic on valuetainment. He was with, uh, with Patrick Bet David. They call him a podcaster. Podcast host drags him over underage girls while flogging Clinton murders. Conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. There are, do- there are so many people that die around these people, and he wanted to know. And I, I gotta be, I'm telling you, out of all the people out there who have attained massive independent media success, the one person I really, really have a, give a lot of credit to is Patrick Bet David. And um, this was incredible. I, I will probably play close to a 10-minute clip of this tomorrow. It, it just to see him, to see Anthony Weiner squirm, I don't know who told him it would be a good idea to get onto the show. But to see him squirm, he definitely doesn't want to go on that Clinton list. I mean, that's 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 for sure. He doesn't want to do that. It's just really incredible. We'll do that in the second half. Here's another one I thought you guys would appreciate at home. This is a CBS headline. Police say they cannot verify Carly Russell's abduction claim. What are they talking about? Well, listen to this story. Uh, Carly Nicole Russell, a 25-year-old nursing student who went missing for two days, told police she'd been abducted, but police have not found any evidence of a crime, officials in Alabama said on Wednesday. Investigators have not been able to verify most of Russell's statement about being captured. Hoover Police Chief Nick Derzis, or Derzis, Derzis, said... Police said that prior to her disappearance, Russell made very strange online searches. You want to know what some of them were? Including whether you have to pay for Amber Alerts, <laughs> how, to, how to take money from a cash register without getting caught, and the movie Taken. She wanted to, obviously doing some very, very, very necessary research, which is about a woman who was abducted in ensuing quest to save her from kidnappers. Uh, There were also searches related to the Birmingham bus station and bus tickets from Birmingham to Nashville. Russell vanished Thursday night after calling 911 to report spotting a toddler on an interstate in Alabama. Russell returned home two days later, and the incident gained national attention. She gave a brief statement to police when she returned home, but officers did not press for details out of respect for Russell and her family. So what do you think happened? What do you think happened? Was she abducted, and who did it, and why so much very pertinent information getting searched for prior to? I don't know. I don't know. I think it might all just be fake, but uh, good for her. Good for her, right? A little vacation. And here's some, finally, some good news for everybody in the audience. For those of you who have been wondering... If we were ever going to find a destination of the first official, quite frankly, fan meetup, it has been found. There is now a nude cruise coming to Miami. Uh, better pack extra sunscreen, says Yahoo News. That's right. We're, go- we're all going nude together, ladies and gentlemen. A nude kind of cruise will be sailing out of Port Miami. Pack extra sunscreen. They aren't new and certainly not for everyone, but going out in public in the buff goes back centuries. Yes. And advocates include Benjamin Franklin. A uh, member of the Hellfire Club, and Henry David Thoreau, who surely would have appreciated the option of a ship uh, shipboard buffet 
on the Lido deck. Now, here's what I wanted, I wanted to go to. Here are the rules. I just wanted to go to the rules, the rules of nude cruising. Number one. When the ship is docked alongside the port, all passengers must be dressed. Now, I just think it'd be funny to see people getting out of their out of their their Ubers naked, going up the uh, going up the, uh, the the ramp there. But no, you have to wait until you're on the boat until you take your clothes off. Number two, the ship provides self serve buffet, uh, which is closed free area. Clothing is required for all meals taken to the dining rooms. Casual attire is fine in all these venues. Bathrobes are not permitted in the dining room. Uh, man, oh, this is see that's the most disgusting thing about this whole thing for me, especially when I hear about all these nude restaurants that pop up in Europe. I'm thinking about bare asses on seats, and just so you 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 can't you've got to at least have underwear in these places. I mean, just for practicality purposes, you can't you can't do this. And what I f find uh, interesting is they don't like people wearing lingerie. They don't want you wearing lingerie on the nude, so maybe because it's too, in what, insinuative? It's just a little bit too insinuative. You don't want to get people too excited or something. You have to sit on a towel at all times while nude. That's good. That's good. That's what I'm talking about. You need some kind of, there needs to be a barrier. That's ridiculous. Displaying yourself nude in front of other ships in port <laughs> are uh, strictly prohibited, so you just... <laughs> <laughs> you just can't do it. You know, everybody here is an exhibitionist, voyeurs. That's just what this is. And here's the other thing you need to realize. With anything going on here, anything going on here, do not expect, please, do not expect to be on board with a bunch of supermodels. You are probably going to be the hottest person in every room you walk into. It's going to look like the early bird special crowd at Denny's. And you just please, you, you've got to get this, this fantasy out of your head and just settle in for the grim reality of what this is. So uh, be on the lookout for all information about the 2024, winter 2024, quite, quite frankly, meetup in Miami. That's all I have for you. right? We're going to need an exorcist after this night. I'll talk to you guys in just a second. Just a second. We'll be back after the intro. Thank you so very much. And if in the meantime, please share the live links to everybody you can. I put out, I tweeted them all out on, uh, you know, across all the socials, Twitter, Truth, Gab, uh, Getter, wherever the heck you can find this, that's where it is. And if you're watching on YouTube and watching on Rumble, please just walk into the room and flick the light switch. That light switch is a like Let's get this to 1,000 likes by the end of the broadcast if we can. It'll help out a great deal. And we're less than 1,000 subscriptions away from the elusive 100,000 subscriber mark. I don't, I, we'll probably, the night that we get 100,000 is the night I'll lose the channel, but it doesn't matter. This has been a long, long journey. Help me get there. Give it a like. Give it a share. And we'll be right back. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! 
I said, what do I open up with tonight? What do I open up with tonight? I'm going to get the theme song from Spookies. That's what we're getting. Theme song from Spookies is going to get a little spooky. I've been waiting for this for a long time. You know, we talk about evil on this show all the time. Uh, in all its many forms, including the study of evil, ponderology. We've gotten into that. I mean, we've, we've published blogs about it, and we've had some really fascinating and thought-provoking shows on that. And we see it manifest in politics and in education, most certainly healthcare and pharmaceuticals. I always ask myself, though, this just can't be... Obviously, there's a hubris side to this. There is just bad habits, learned behavior, and hubris, just pride. Um, but I also wonder, is there a possessing agent to all of this as well? Is there something that is is driving it, that is unseen, that is working through human vessels? It's always, always encouraging people to take their hands off the wheel, to let go a little bit more, and to uh, to just make themselves an empty void that needs to be filled by something else. And uh, that's what I think we really have. I think we have a, a bunch of unsuspecting cult members that are just walking around the earth and and making somebody else's dreams come true by allowing all of our powers to manifest, to be hijacked. And that's that's where we are. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about those possessing agents with Reverend Bill Bean at BillJBean.com. Listen to this. Bill Bean is a world-renowned exorcist, spiritual deliverance minister, and is known as the spiritual warrior. He's helped thousands of people in America and others in 55 countries worldwide. Bill Bean's spiritual warfare ministry addresses anything from curses, blocks, attachments, obsessions, oppression, or demonic possession. He's also an internationally known author, lecturer, and supernatural expert. Bean is currently appearing in episodes of A Haunting, Ghost Nation, Fright Club, along with 2019 episode of The Holzer Files. Bill is also featured in the Lifetime Movie Network series, I Was Possessed. Boy, oh boy. And uh, I, we've got Bill Bean here. Bill, how are you feeling tonight? I'm doing great, Frank. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it, you know, it, it's great to see. Oh, wait, wait, that's the wrong. Where the heck are you? There you are. And oh, in there, and there is uh, Jason McLeod demonologist jason how are you feeling tonight i'm great thanks for having me it's great to have you all here now i i'm gonna i gotta say before we get into the meat and potatoes i said that something happened tonight that makes this already a remarkable meeting and first of all it is very rare that i have people who are passing through new york at the time that we were going to have you on a show that you could actually be sitting here in the flesh and then you know there's been a lot of excitement to have you on you gave me a call about maybe an hour and a half ago and you said, Frank, I will, I'll be getting there right around the time I said I would. I'm just meeting up with my security detail, and, uh, and his name is Mike Supa. And I said, okay, well, that sounds very familiar. I have a cousin named Mike Supa, but it could not be him because we're talking about odds that are in the hundreds of thousands, okay? And uh, I said, you know, Bill, this Mike, is he a, he's a local? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, does he happen to be a musician? He goes, yeah, he's a rock star. I said, that's my cousin. And here we are. I mean, he's sitting on the couch relaxing right now. But, yeah. Bill, w you deal in the unseen and um, things that people would might, might say are impossible. Um, what do you think about an introduction like this? Uh, I, again, we said off air, I do believe that uh, God does make the impossible possible. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that everything happens for a reason. 
and God brings people together for a reason. And uh, obviously, we were all supposed to be together here tonight, and it was just incredible when uh, you know it was confirmed that you and Mike, our cousins, said uh, just made it. I, I had already anticipated that we were going to have a great time and a great show tonight, but it just made it that much better in knowing that uh, something you know with such high odds against actually had taken place. It really is. It, it truly is. And you know, I, I want to get into your story a, a little bit more, but before before that, I want to also get uh, Jason on because you're going to be contributing a lot to this conversation tonight. Jason, you are a friend and associate of Bill Beans. So how long have you guys known each other? And tell us about how you uh, became a demonologist. Well, I uh, met Bill several years ago at my very first paranormal convention, actually, in uh, I think it was Pennsylvania, maybe Gettysburg, and I was very impressed by his presence and his demeanor and his uh, his information. And you know, you when you're you're just drawn to somebody who has a, a level of energy and might, <laughs> I could say. And we became friends, and uh, I think we traded a book or two. Uh, and then I became involved in a case. I became aware of a case in upstate New York. I, would li I was living in Austin, Texas at the time, and I was planning on being in Connecticut, uh, and I got in November, and I became aware of a case upstate New York, and I put out the call uh, because I really had nobody um, in that area anymore that to work with, and I asked Bill if he'd like to come, and he readily accepted, and he drove all the way up from Maryland, and we walked onto this property confident that we were going to be able to take care of what was going on and it was absolutely incredible we worked very well together and complimented each other absolutely uh not verbally but in the way we were handling things and making sure we didn't miss anything and that uh you know checking each other and and so forth so it was great you know i'm going to go through a lot of the the, the foundation the found the fundamental things rudimentary things and then we'll get into a lot of uh detailed based questions there but just on that alone what is the um, the role? Are, are these complementary roles to go into a situation where you have an exorcist and a demonologist there? Does one support the other? Can you do it without one? Are those two components that need to be together? Well, it's certainly great to uh, have someone that you're properly ilked with spiritually, that you're on the same page. And it certainly helps because Jesus says where there are two or more gathered in my name I'll be there so it now I'll say this I wish Jason was with me more often by and large throughout these cases I work alone and uh, but it was great to be a part of his case and to be brought in on that and what he didn't tell you is that it was a snowy night I drove up at a snowstorm he did too it was like 15 degrees out with a strong wind and we started outside it was so frigid I couldn't even feel my fingers and toes anymore you have to be very thorough in these types of things um, so it's not just uh, showing up and I'm gonna cast the demons out and that's it there's a lot of things that need to take place the first thing uh, for me is when arriving on scene is I have to pray and I ask God Yahweh is his name listed 6,823 times in the Bible replaced with the title of Lords where we see Lord in caps that should say Yahweh and so I use his mighty and holy name Jesus Hebrew name is real Hebrew name is Yahshua which means Yahweh saves Yahweh saves through him so the first thing that I do is I pray and ask God Yahweh to send his giant warrior angels to come 
and take any demons into custody that might be present or any type of evil, curses, hexes, vexes, spells, whatever it may be. That's the very first thing that I do. So it starts with a, uh, a calling on God and a blessing on the land and property. And then you go inside. And on that night that Jason is referring to, um, these people had a good piece of property there and there was more to it than just a demonic infiltration and stronghold and oppression that was on the family. It was quite involved, and we were there until the early morning hours. So was it what was a cursed land? Not only that, but as crazy as this might sound to you and or your viewers, um, there were Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sabe creatures involved in this. Wow. And I went to the wood line. Jason was right there with me and uh, the homeowner. And there was a, another young man present with us as well. And I actually, and, and I know he can verify this, we felt the presence. Now, I did not see any of those creatures, but I felt them. I knew they were there. He could feel it too. And I spoke to them. I said, look, you're scaring this family. Um, the dogs were being tormented. It's a wonder that the dogs weren't killed because a lot of, in a lot of these instances, they do not like dogs and pets, and those dogs and pets disappear. But I said, uh, you are frightening this family, and by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name, and Yahshua Jesus the Christ's name, I command you all to depart at once. And I kid you not, Frank, Jason can verify this, we could feel the presence leave after invoking the power of God over them. Now, here's an interesting little side note. And I don't want to go too far off topic, but I've written 10 books. And in two of the books called Stranger Than Fiction and Stranger Than Fiction 2, it's about connecting the dots to all of this phenomena. And so where we see God, angels, the devil, demons, uh, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, all these things are very much connected and it requires a lot of prayer and research to come to these conclusions and experience which I've had experience with just about any and every type of phenomena that you can think of mm. and so my conclusion on the matter is that they are all very much linked together and they do work at times in concert with each other especially uh, with the Bigfoot Sasquatch and I'm, and I'm going to say this I don't believe that they are all evil with evil intent. However, it's my belief that they are the offspring of the offspring. So when Satan and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven, they were cast down here. They took human women, produced a hybrid offspring of giants called the Nephilim, and the Nephilim went into the forest in the fields and had unnatural sex acts with apes, bears, dogs, wolves, you name it. They are the Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Sabe creatures. They are the offspring of the offspring, and they're every bit as much supernatural as they are flesh and That's blood. That's the first time I ever heard that theory. And it makes, you know, because I also, we, we talk about giants all the time, the Nephilim, and, and, but that's always about angels and women. Uh, I never, never think about animals as well, and, yeah. and there being hybrids of that. Well, you know, um, Jason, right, uh, to, just to get you, because this is a great thing that you, we led off with this story because it's the first time you guys ever worked together. Right. But Jason, uh, as a talk a little bit about demonology as far as what you bring to the table. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Um, well, I began as a demonologist training under the late legendary Ed Warren. 
and I worked with both Ed and Lorraine Warren starting in 1990 and I can't think of more amazing people to be able to have uh, you know taught me what I knew uh, in the very beginning stages and Ed was full of information he had trained with you know people of all faiths he's he's had access to ancient manuscripts and so forth he was the only non-ordained uh, demonologists, and there were only seven at the time in North America, so that was a very rare thing. And it's a scary term. What is a demonologist? You know, you're studying how these beings interact with our reality, and that's the that's the key point here. And it's my strength in that I have an awareness about, and as does Bill, and that's why we get along so well, and we can have really great, genuine conversations. Is that people need to understand? that the human eyes or our human senses our five sense reality is so limited in these within these bodies we can see yeah. only visible light which is one percent of the matter space and energy around us so we are 99 percent oblivious to everything around us and that everything around us are, are the varying frequencies and dimensions and vibrations frequencies and vibrations which are really also called dimensions so people can say well how can that be how can there be sasquatch and how can they really be living beings and you have to understand that these these things exist outside of our ability to decode and it all has to do with the pineal gland and the pituitary gland in unison but the pineal gland has always been called our third eye our sixth sense it's got rods and cones um, it's how we have a full color dream in the middle of the night in a pitch black room with our eyes closed. It's how we visualize. It's how we daydream. And this is our interdimensional connection. And it is, it is uh, often blocked. And actually, the pineal gland becomes calcified as we grow older. And that has a direct relation to the fluoride that's been introduced in our water supply and, and of course, in dentistry. And that's a, you know, that's a whole topic people can research, but it is truth and yes. the powers that be want to keep everybody shut off and shunted and disconnected from their connection to god the creator of all that is which is the most powerful force in the universe and we're bill and i are dealing with forces that are that are deceived into thinking that they're the most powerful forces in the universe or that they can actually contest the greatest power in the universe which is the creator of all things and it's it's actually it's quite amusing when you think about it because they always lose they will always lose so um, given the fact that we can only see 1% of what's around us, we have to understand, well, how do we know if these beings are in our proximity, right? And we, we use our, our feeling senses, you know, it, it, we can't see them, we can't hear them. And people actually make the ridiculous claim, well, if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Well, that's completely ridiculous, obviously. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's just so fascinating when you understand that everything is frequency everything is vibration heart-centered compassion or the highest form of love is the highest vibration or frequency and fear is one of the lowest if not the lowest and the fear energy is what these negative entities use as a fuel source we would be uh you know we would not like to ingest fear as as god-loving uh you know uh kind people we we get a we we experience uh gratification when we, we receive love and 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 tenderness and so forth but they use it as a fuel supply and i call it the fear buffet and uh that's what they want to do is terrorize and isolate and cause anxiety and chaos and that that's uh their mo so when you so like if, if you and bill were showing up for a uh, a case that is 
confirm we're going to get into how you assess this stuff and all that bill and i want to i still want to know about your early life but again with demonology when you when you show up and uh you know understanding that there's so much that is unseen most of reality is unseen in that in that respect what are are you helping identify which which uh entities that you are dealing with in this particular case and if so how, how, you know, what are the, the identifying marks or, or like, that's exactly, well, that's why, to be able to study the, you know, demons and, and the nature of the soul and all that, I understand that, but how do you apply it in this kind of a situation where you're doing paranormal investigations or exorcisms? How do you apply what you know? This is where a real and authentic connection with God comes in. So I don't claim to be anything except for a vessel that God works through to help people. So without my real and authentic relationship and connection with God, I would not be able to have the discernment necessary to know who is who, what is what, and why this is happening. So I'll say it to you like this, Frank. God gives me a knowing of things through spiritual discernment, okay? So there are often times that if I even pull up to a residence and I haven't even gotten out of my vehicle yet, God is already showing me a picture in my mind or just giving me an automatic knowing of how many demons are there, what they are, why they're there, and then I have to get confirmation. So like I said, the first thing that I do is uh, pray a land blessing. Then I go into the home. I anoint everyone's head with a combination of holy water, holy oil, and holy salt, sometimes frankincense. I say several prayers at the front door, including a house blessing prayer. And then I have to sit down with the family and become a counselor. I have to know everything. It's not that I want to know people's deep and dark secrets. I have to know it because I have to have that for confirmation. And when people start to share their story and certain words come out or certain recollections, that gives me confirmation that God has already given to me. So who taught, so I guess this would be a great place to ask who taught you? Like, was being an exorcist something you planned to become and then you went to a seminary to learn how or did it, you just discover you can do it? You had to have a, did you have a mentor? Tell us about how this, you fell into this. All 100% calling from God. I had no interest, no intention of ever doing this kind of work. Uh, when I first started out, I was a man with a story, just talking about my experiences. My family went through hell. My family was destroyed by demonic forces. I nearly was as well. I was attacked, physically attacked by demons from age five to age 12. I know what it's like to suffer and I take the sufferings of others very personally and very seriously. And that's why God called me to do this work because I've had the experience in suffering. So if I were the greatest scholar in the world and I walked into your room and if you were suffering spiritually and I've never had the experience we can't come together we can't come together because I can't understand you because I haven't had the experience so that keeps us like this therefore there's no real trust or bond that can be built because the most important thing cannot be shared because I wouldn't have an understanding of it Mm -hmm. So that's why God chose me to do this work. And I was very resistant to it in the beginning. Having gone through the level of suffering and trauma that I went through as a child, as a young man, even going into my adult years, I, 
so much destruction had taken place that I was seeking death. I didn't want to live. I hated my life. I hated uh, waking up on a daily basis. And I suffered so greatly that I pushed people away. I couldn't have any real personal relationships with anybody because I'd had so much tragedy in my life. You know, set aside the attacks, the spiritual attacks. This is between five and twelve. Uh, correct. It is, um, is this because you've been you had been hex or something? It was. It was that, yes, uh, my family, and this goes back well over a hundred years. It was told to me by a family member, who I absolutely believe, have no reason to doubt. He said that two family members over 100 years ago conjured up demonic forces through a ritual, invocation, invitation, and those demonic forces did come on the family and they affected both sides of the family. So this is how family bloodline curse can get started by, in one instance, through invitation, invocation. And when that takes place, it's like this spiritual virus has come on the family and it affected both sides of the family many many tragedies most most of my family is gone they all died tragic and early deaths and uh my neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50. my mother died from a cerebral hemorrhage at age 44. my father was shot to death at age 48. and many other family tragedies as well and uh so i suffered greatly and it wasn't just between 5 and 12. my suffering started i would say probably at age five with my first experience of being physically attacked but they carried on throughout uh my teen years my dad left home when i was nine years old my my father was a very good man who made horrendous choices and mistakes uh he was a man that was so gifted in every way that he should have been highly successful in every aspect of his life and instead um was overcome and I don't want to make an excuse for him but I will say this my dad was a man that was uh, in charge of every situation he was a rugged man's man type of individual and he suddenly found himself in a situation that he couldn't control when all this supernatural activity started to take place and I believe that that disturbed him and confounded him so much in his mind that he was literally trying to escape reality through the abuse of alcohol. And he became a raging alcoholic who began to physically abuse my mother on a regular basis between 1973 and 1975, nearly killed her on several occasions. And if not for the intervention of God, I do believe he would have killed her because when people are under the influence of alcohol and or a drug, their frequency and vibration is lowered. So when a person's frequency and vibration is lowered, they become wide open and vulnerable for demons to come in and press certain buttons. And this is how some tragedies occur. So he left us in 1975 and I was nine years old and my mother came under regular physical attack from several different demonic entities in the house um, to the point where she couldn't even sleep in her bed anymore. She had to sleep, my brother and I shared a, a, the bedroom next to theirs. And she actually had to start sleeping in with us because she could not sleep alone any longer because she was suffering these physical attacks. Jeez. Now, obviously, that gets into you're talking. I mean, even when Jason had brought up a, a vibration before there, exactly too. He's exactly right. He's absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I mean, then you think about just on a national level. I mean, this is microcosmic right here. Then you talk about the macro on a national level. You think about how we are, you know, a, a small percentage of the world population in comparison to the other 8 billion yeah. that are spread throughout. I think and, we're 9%. 
percent. The United and, States is nine percent. And on the other hand, how much of the psych the, the, the psychotropic drugs, SSRIs, all these these pharmaceuticals, both recreational and pharmaceutical, uh, prescribed? How much we consume? What is that doing? Fifty percent. The United States, which makes up 9% of the world population, consumes 50% of the prescription drugs on planet Earth. Mm. So what does that do to our energy? What does that do to, to open us up or close us up? or? Well, people can come under the spirit of pharmakia from that. Uh, and that means pharmakia is a Greek word for sorcery. And so people, can come, so people that are drug abusers, and whether that is through recreational type of drugs or prescription drug abusers, they could come under the spirit of pharmakia, just like people that drink alcohol and abuse it, come under the spirit of alcohol, yes. which comes from Egypt, and that means flesh-eating demon. Right. So that eats a person from the inside out. And think about how they're pushing alcohol on everybody. It's, it's the norm to go to a bar as soon as you turn 21. It's the norm to drink. I mean, I, you watch these TV shows, and my God, everybody's an alcoholic on the TV show. You know, Battlestar Galactica is an example. I watched the whole series with a friend of mine, and all they're doing is downing drinks. I mean, they're supposed to be defending the whole fleet against uh, AI, so that's another uh, <laughs> clue right there. But um, again, you're looking at the frequency bridge, right? And think about how absolutely terrifying it would be um, to be attacked by something that is completely indiscernible and invisible to your senses and to know that it hates you with every fiber of its existence and it wants to destroy you and uh, violate you and humiliate you and absolutely consume you in every way. I, I'm glad you said that. I, I want to talk about the assessing of a person who is in, is in this position and I also want to talk about the different types of spiritual vexation. But I... I um, I guess I, I guess you kind of already have answered the question of the mindset, how you mentally and emotionally prep for some of the work that you guys do, especially you, Bill. Um, I, me, I come from a Catholic perspective. I love, I have consumed everything I, I can get my hands on from people like Gabriel Amorth and Father Malachi Martin and you know a few others around that are, are always speaking out now too. And I'm, I'm very interested in the Roman Rite and how they explain this exact same thing right there, that you are describing a an experience that is always incredibly ugly every time, one of pure hatred, sacrilege. I, I, I can't imagine having to prepare for work and that being your work every day. Uh, it's just that it's it's scary to think about. So I've had people offer me a lot of money to train them to do this kind of work, and I've turned them down. And I'll tell you why, because in my opinion. And I know scripture would say that uh, every man has the ability and capability to cast out demons, but not in this arena, not on this level. If that scripture revert, refers to personal, a person's personal experience and what may be going on in their life. Yes, they can take power and authority over demons and cast them out. But when we're talking about this arena, when you know now it's been thousands of people that God's worked through me to help, um, that has to be a calling. If it is not a calling, disastrous things can happen. Disastrous. And so I would never be a party to training someone that I didn't feel had a calling to be in this. Otherwise, it could result in death to that person or family members, or you have no idea how deep this can go and how severe it can be. And if not for the blessing and the favor and the protection that God has over my life, I would have been dead a long time ago. 
Frank, I've been in many life-threatening situations throughout my lifetime, and many, as a minister, a spiritual warrior, you wouldn't believe it. People handing me their guns, saying, I want to shoot you. People trying to stab me. Uh, people spitting on me. People trying to bite me. Uh, having to physically restrain people. And believe me, when uh, a person is under demonic possession, they have superhuman strength. So if not for the power of God working through me, there's no way I'd be able to overcome that type of superhuman. I've seen nine people grab a 135-pound woman before and try and hold her down. Nine police officers and EMTs and were struggling to hold down a 135-pound woman. So when people are under this type of demonic possession, uh, they have this type of superhuman strength. Now I'll say another thing. I cannot, under any circumstance, show any fear. If I'm to go into a situation as an agent for God and a spiritual warrior, no matter how severe it gets, and believe me, I've seen severe, no matter how severe it gets, I can't show fear because if I do, that means I've lost control of the situation. Now I'm at risk and all the people that God's working through me to help are at risk because I've lost control of the situation. So I have to be strong at all times and that's easier said than done and I have to be in control at all times, and I can only do that by the power of God working through me. So there's never a time, I, I mean, it's obviously starting out for both of you guys, to be in these situations and to find yourself being called to, to work in this realm, is there ever, ever a time that you had to check out because you were startled? Like, they, I mean, there had to be. You, I, I never once in my career, but never. I'll tell you this, in, before I became this spiritual warrior, I had a family uh, member that was possessed for 22 days and demons spoke through that individual. It was a female and a deep masculine voice spoke through that individual and, and said, why don't you just give up and join us? And I said, who are you? And it gave a name and I won't repeat that. But uh, and then uh, the entity started mocking my lack of biblical knowledge because that took place in the late 80s and I had zero biblical knowledge at that point. And, and the demonic entity was speaking through that female and mocking me and quoting scripture after scripture after scripture, mocking my lack of knowledge of the scriptures. I will never, ever forget that. And at that time, when this first took place, uh, I'll never, ever forget when it started. It sounded like a rattlesnake from inside of her, like in her solar plexus area. And, and then all of a sudden, and this person was asleep. It sounded like a rattlesnake, and then all of a sudden she sat up robotically, turned to the left. I had a, uh, a cross on. She ripped the cross off, and the eyes, her, the whites of her eyes were black. I jumped up, I turned the lamp on. I could not believe what I was seeing. I could not believe it, and it escalated from there. And at one point, I felt like the blood was draining from my head like I was just absolutely going to fall out because I was not the spiritual warrior at that point. I was somebody, you know, that had had a lot of experiences, but I was not a minister. I was not in a position to really do anything about it. But yet at the same time, I was binding and rebuking and casting, trying to cast this demon out of this person. This lasted for 22 days and it involved um, an exorcism with a Catholic priest that came over in the middle of the night. I assisted him in the exorcism, and unfortunately for him, he was greatly affected to it by the point and to the point that uh, 
shortly thereafter, he was institutionalized. And the, uh, I tried to find him, and the church said no such priest exists. And I had to get a friend of mine, a private investigator, to get involved. And he tracked him down and found him at one of these facilities. And the man lived out the rest of his days in this facility, wow. no longer uh, an exorcist. Wow. Wow. And, and to be squirreled away like that, and to even have, to have your existence denied like yeah. that, you, you would think that that would be almost like a, uh, a cautionary tale. Here's one of our own that was chewed up. You know, that's the thing that really gets me. And I know a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Catholics who are just unbelievably frightened by the way that the, the church has been infiltrated and has been stripped away of any kind of seriousness. I mean, you think about any, and I know that this, this infiltration has gotten into every denomination. I was going to say, it. it's not just the Catholic church. It's all across the board. They've become dens of inequities because they've become corporate entities. So right. when you become a corporate entity, that scripture for the love of money is the root of all evil. There you go. And, and not only that, when, when you have people who are supposed to be like, for example, a priest who denies that the devil is an actual entity. Yeah, the that, Pope denies that as well. That When all this starts becoming symbolic, then now you realize that what was supposed to be the front line against, you know, the, the, for the, the main purpose of saving souls, they don't even know that they're fighting a war anymore. Or perhaps they just allowed the gates to be opened and it's all part of the plan. So, I mean, it's, it's just nuts, that story about, about your... That's, that's an incredible story. You know, what's the... And I'm, let me, and if you don't mind, Frank, I'm no, sorry to interrupt. No, not at all. Let me give you another little tidbit on that. Uh, the first night that that priest came to visit us, so this took place late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. So uh, I talked with my aunt about it. My aunt lived across the street, and she said, why don't you call up the church? It was a Catholic church right up the street. We lived in Baltimore. And I, she actually contacted the church for me. And they sent... The priest out that Monday evening. He came out about 6 p.m. on that Monday evening. So this man was about 300 pounds, uh, hawking individual, and had sat down at the table with us. And we had these very sturdy chairs at the dining room table. And within five minutes of him being there, an unseen force flipped him backwards in his chair. And he landed on his back in the chair. I will never, ever forget the look of terror on his face. I helped him to his feet. He had sweat beating up on his forehead. He asked to be excused. And then when he came back, he said, can I see you outside? And I walked outside and he said, wait, confirm what I already knew, you know, that obviously evil was present and manifest and actually flipped that man, a 300 pound man in a sturdy chair flipped him on his back, still inside of the chair. Now, um, I, I mean, that right there, I mean, is enough to make anybody that doesn't believe in this stuff and sees this for the first time, there's never, there's never, who knows if you have your, your spiritual, your religious life all sorted out, but you can never say that, that this is just, this existence that we have right now is all there is, there's nothing else to it, there's not another there's not another layer to this at least i mean you, have you ever been around somebody for example when you're assessing a person i know i mean telltale i would love to know the telltale signs of that set them apart from any possible psychiatric issue there i what is this common denominator uh, of among people who are in need of serious help from someone like you or a priest or anything like anybody who's experienced in this respect 
Um, what's the common denominator there that sets them aside from any possible psychiatric issue? Well, I'll say this too, Frank. Uh, some psychiatric issues are spiritual mm. in nature, and the reason that they manifest, the number one reason, not in all the cases, but in many of the cases, is through trauma. And so when trauma takes place, and usually, unfortunately, uh, in these cases, by and large, again, not all, but a, I would say in the majority, some type of child molestation has taken place, some type of rape or violent crime, some type of abuse has taken place to have put the person in such a level of trauma, secretions, uh, blood and secretions actually come out of the pineal gland, the adrenal glands, and that's called adrenochrome. And demons are drawn to that. It's a drug to them, and it's a drug to some people here that are human beings yes. on the earth. And uh, so they will come on to the victim. They, they will, obviously, they're filling the perpetrator to carry out such wicked and heinous acts, but then they will come on to the victim and they will remain there until they are evicted, until someone like me comes along. And it's not that I'm anything special. It's the power of God working through me to evict them. Until that time comes, these persons, uh, these people will have a variety of miseries and sufferings and torments. It could be physical attacks. You wouldn't believe, even in my own case, seeing my poor mother um, scratched and bruised, bite marks on her, uh, cuts long after my father had left. And, and were any levitations or things like that? My mother was absolutely levitated. She was picked up by an unseen force and thrown through the air. This took place in 1979. I was 13 years old, and this precipitated my first engagement and battle with demonic forces. My mother was picked up by the back of her neck, thrown through the air. She landed into her makeup table. She was cut open. She was scratched. She was bruised. And at that point in my life, I had suffered for, you know, 13 years of abuse. And sometimes when people are pushed into a corner, they'll come out fighting. And that's exactly what happened for me at that point. And we also had a priest involved for the last 16 months that we lived in that house. And so he was bringing mason jars full of holy water. We had a Bible. So on that day, after seeing my mother attacked like that, something snapped inside of me. I was no longer a scared kid. I was raging, and I grabbed a Bible, I grabbed a mason jar of that holy water. Now here's where I made my mistake, because I had just had a conversation with my Uncle Clifford, who was a devout Christian, and he told me that we could take power and authority over these demonic forces by the power of God in Jesus' name. And so uh, he told me that to say, I bind and rebuke you and I cast you out. Well, I made my mistake on that day by saying, I command you to show yourselves. Ooh. And when I did that, it was like a horror film come to life. The house started vibrating. Things were falling off the wall. Doors were opening and slamming. This was like a scene from a horror film. And I was 13 years old, and I had five adults with me who had just witnessed my mother being attacked. So they're already in a state of fear because of what happened to her. And now here I am commanding these things to show themselves. The house is doing all these crazy things. They follow me up the hallway, and I go into the living room. They are behind me in the dining room. And within, I would say, probably 10 feet, 12 feet maybe, in front of me, four entities manifested, and they manifested in greenish, yellowish beams of light. And one uh, had a black suit on, black hair, chalky white skin, black eyes. Another one. 
had curly red hair, uh, short curly red hair, long scar down the left side of its face, chalky white skin, black eyes. The third entity was a female, had the look of a witch, long dark hair, long black gown, chalky white skin. And the fourth entity is what I call the dark force entity, which is a hooded entity with glowing red eyes. We clearly saw them for at least three seconds and they didn't just suddenly vanish, they just dissipated. They just dissipated like that. And as they dissipated, all the chaotic things that were taking place in the house suddenly stopped. So that was the first battle I had engaged in at age 13 against those demonic forces. So I do believe, you know, in retrospect and looking back on this, I truly believe that even before I came into this world, that God had a plan for my life to be this spiritual warrior. And that's why I had to suffer these things and experience these things in order to be where I'm at right now, because I could not be here right now had I not experienced those things then. I, I, it, it's incredible um, to, hear, to hear those, especially the manifestation, uh, to, to see what has, uh, is not visible become visible. Just like I'm seeing you and you're seeing me. And, I've, you know, we hear a lot, for anybody who's even taking a loose interest in these stories, we hear about um, the sudden ability to speak languages that they never did, uh, yep. to, to know things about people in the room and use them against them to cause discord and to, uh, to expose sins of people in the room and, and to, to create, create great havoc there. So, and then, of course, levitation. What are you going to attribute that to ever? Um, but, you know, the, the, there, what I want to talk about real quick, and maybe this will get, this will get Jason involved as well, is, are these different types of, these different categories of spiritual vexation. Um, so, I, in, Bill, in your, um, in your bio, you specifically listed curses, blocks, attachments, obsessions, and possessions. Yeah. Um, talk about, obviously, a curse. I guess I can understand what that is. That's somebody that somebody is putting something on you. Correct. But, you know, blocks, attachments, and obsessions. What's the difference between an attachment and an obsession compared to a possession? Okay, so an obsession really falls under the fascination with the paranormal and the occult. A person starts dabbling into those types of things. And so that's the precursor for um, uh, not not possession. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Oppression. Oppression. And but, thank you, Jason. Go ahead. But the the obsession, for instance, the obsessive use of a Ouija board, right? You yes. cannot you cannot stop because you want more and more answers. You want more and more clarity. You use it so frequently, and we're going to get into this uh, in a minute as, in, with regard to what a ritual is, right? And it's the intention to open a doorway with these entities that are existing, I say, in the astral plane, which is the fourth dimension, which is the nearest to the third dimension. But the Ouija board is the catalyst for 95% of all the cases of demonic infestation. But the oppression is the use of it. So yeah, wait, 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 absolutely wait, right. So the the obsession when we talk about obsession and oppression, this is these are only spiritual pursuits, or is this any kind of addiction that you? It's it's so far outlived anything that could have been considered recreational, like porn addiction or anything else. Well, like that's that. an obsession yeah. too. Okay, yeah. it is something that consumes the mind, and it's it's not only your mind, but and your thoughts, but your thoughts are being uh, manipulated by these these spirits. You want to watch more. 
you know, you have to use more or you have to use this. Reeling the person You in. need that other cigarette. And the pre people want to stop smoking. That's their conscious mind is I need to stop smoking. It's ruining my body temple. It's ruining my health. But no, they don't want you to stop smoking. And so they'll, they'll project these ideas into your mind. And again, these are very powerful beings that bypass the laws of physics. Yep. And it manifests in the form of this superhuman strength that we're talking about, the projection of, of uh, bitter cold or intense heat. Um, rotting awful smells that they can project they project all this stuff into your mind to do what to feed themselves by causing you to emit fear yep and the 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 first stage is an infestation where you have opened a doorway uh either intentionally or, or in, unintentionally and these forces have found a way in. they've 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 created a frequency bridge that matches their extra low vibratory rate um, and then they find a way in into your living space, into your home, for instance, which is the most devastating because that's your own fortress of solitude. That's the place where you can escape the world. But when your home has been now invaded or infested, much like a flea will infest a dog sure. or a home, it doesn't belong there, but it's there and its presence is, is unmistakable because the first subtle signs are in a, in a, an unnatural sense of anger that comes over you. You'll get angry about things that you'd normally get not get angry about, but that's the first. They're, these beings hate us, and they're so filled with rage. One of the most you're talking about are the um, the Pope's exorcist and the, the cases of Ormoth is the thing that really disturbed me the most about this this young boy that was possessed was the seething rage that the, that it had for everybody whether it's the priest that's trying to exercise the demon or even the family members who genuinely care for that young boy the rage is just so unnerving and, and unnatural because unnatural, yes. our, our natural instinct is to love you know and they're, they're completely the opposite and they want to destroy you with every fiber of their being and that's the most terrifying aspect about it is to know that your home not only has my home been invaded by an invisible force but this force is just waiting for the opportunity to wreck me in every way possible and ruin my life and the lives of everybody else that happen to be living there including the animals all right and like bill was saying and like we know is that the cats and dogs can see more yes. of that frequency range than we can and if they're snarling or hissing and growling at the corner of the wall you know, or, the, or at the ceiling, or they run under the couch because they're absolutely terrified or spooked, you better pay attention to what they're seeing and call upon the power of God silently in this, this case because if your home is infested, you don't want to verbally challenge them by provoking them by calling you know, or projecting words of, of faith. Right, Bill? And that's why it's so important to, and like I said, you know, scripturally, you know, it talks about taking power and authority, but Jason is right because you have to be, in order to take power and authority, you really need to have a, a sound relationship and a strong relationship with God. Therefore, he will have a covering over you and work through you to be able to take power and authority. Otherwise, like Jason is saying, you could put yourself in a really bad way because there'll be retaliation for trying to cast them out and that's where I come in and where he comes in as well, that people will be in such a terrible state that they'll see us on a TV show or whatever it may be or an interview like this, and they'll reach out for help. And so this is why we're so busy. This is why, you know, people from all over the world are being affected. So the devil was the, uh, he held a different position in the beginning, okay? 
So he was the choir director in heaven. He held a very important position. He was privy to a lot of the secrets of God. And so um, when Yahweh decided that he was going to create mankind, and when Yahweh also had an anointed one, the Christos, the Christ, the chosen one, and it wasn't the devil, well, he started his rebellion then. And he was reassigned as the choir director. He was a beautiful creature created with jewels and had pipes built inside of him. He was a musical creature. He was reassigned as the adversary to mankind when Yahweh was creating mankind because he gave us free will. Therefore, it is necessary for there to be an adversary to mankind based on man's free will. That's why he exists, and that's why he to, continues to exist. And he's looking for openings, like Jason said. Uh, on these types of vibrational planes, which I agree with him also that these things probably are in the fourth dimension, it's why it's so easy for them to just come right on through when a door opens, and there's a variety of ways that people knowingly, unknowingly, willingly, unwillingly can open these doors. And once the door opens, they're there, and then it's going to require an eviction. And it's going to require somebody like us to perform such an eviction to rid the people of this garbage. So so, uh, um, the crea so you're talking about Satan then. Correct. That is a really interesting concept. It's and one I've I've always I've always thought about, and it's it's been brought up before. And that's the other thing, you know, you as you guys said earlier on in the uh, in the conversation tonight, that they're always going to try, they're always going to lose, they're destined to lose. And I say, wow, you know, wh why that that's that sucks. I mean, <laughs> w w why don't you just give up? Exactly. But, but you're you're saying that it is in the the intelligent design in their programming to become adversarial, to be always be the, the test yeah. for. For us. He hates mankind because he lost his position in heaven as the choir director and was, was reassigned as this adversary to mankind here. So he hates mankind. So his M.O. Uh, right out of his playbook is obviously to instill fear. So it's fear-based, trauma-based tactics. It is divide-and-conquer tactics. And his M.O. is to kill, rob, and destroy. Well, let me jump in on this one then. It's a question I had for the second half, but I think I want to I want to just put it in right here. This came from Katie. Okay. And I'm gonna and she said this, but I want to break this into two to two questions. Sure. She said, "I wonder if exorcists pray in anger and fear at the demon, like if uh, like I see in the movies, just to just to get them to go away, or do they actually try to help them cross over, go home, and to love and forgiveness?" Now, here's here's how I would break this down. Number one, the demeanor of the exorcist. Now, if you're harboring negative emotions during exorcism, I understand how have you already said, like fear, you're giving them food, it's you're, over. you're destroying yourself. Yeah. But what about, you know, anger is a very powerful negative emotion. Can that ever be Not honed? entirely, because there's such a thing as holy anger. So when we're fierce, so for me, this calling that God put on me, I can't be any other way. I'm bold, I'm fierce, and therefore, I see myself with a shield here and a sword here. So I have to be proactive. Uh, I have to be on the offense. So my best defense is being on the offense. So I try to be, and I'm not claiming to be David, that's for sure. But I, I try to be in the order of. David was a bold and fierce warrior who fought a nine-foot-tall giant and slayed him. And so I have to be in the order of David. That's why Yahweh had such favor on David 
because he was a fearless warrior. So that's how I try to pattern myself. Okay. And now the second the second second question I would glean from that um, is are there any instances both of you know of where a demon or a possessing spirit of some sort has ever been exercised not only to uh, vacate a host, but where the spirit itself expresses a desire to be brought back into the grace of God? No. That's a very recent, well, not, I can't say it's very recent, but I've heard this multiple times. Actually, the last several lectures that I conducted, one was in June 29th at the uh, library in Southbury, and I knew a man, Dave Tacken, in Washington State, and he did something so bizarre, Bill, I can't even describe it, uh, or can't even understand it, and, and how he wasn't overcome and attacked, but he would actually say, I invite you into my heart, right? to be transmuted and to return to God. Mm. I know. And that was the first, my, my alarm bells were going off. Are you, are you mad? Oh no. You know, and, uh, but nothing happened to him. And he, he claims to clear stuff off of people left and right. Now, if it's the power of God almighty and he were, he's working through somebody in a very different way, who are we to judge that? If it is truly God that's orchestrating this, um, that would not something that I would ever recommend or do. But the question is, can these beings be redeemed? Can they seek forgiveness and realize the error of their ways? I mean, there's a point where if you're on the losing side long enough, you're saying, you know, let's let's just, you know, throw in the towel and cast the sword down and, and, and give up and say, I'm sorry, can I please have a second chance? Yeah, you think you know, so. You would think so. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it's ever been explained. My feeling, again, without really, because none of us really know the answer on that, my opinion on it would be, I would say no because they vacated their heavenly position. So when Hasatan, the devil, and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven, they were cast out, um, and this will be controversial as well, but what the heck, we might as well go there. Um, Psalm 68, 17 says the chariots of God are 20,000, okay? So I believe that Yahweh has heavenly, and there's 70 scriptures in the Bible that you could refer to to see it. I believe that Yahweh has UFOs, heavenly chariots, in, uh, in heaven. Why? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. But I do believe that he has them, and I believe that when the devil and a third of the angels were cast out, they were cast out in those flying craft that became Vamana craft, and then they came down here, vacated their position, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God, they vacated their position as sons of God and overseers, watchers, to come down and then have sexual relations with women producing that hybrid offspring of giants called the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. So they vacated their post. And, and so again, am I God? No. Am I their judge? No. Uh, but it's entirely up to him as to whether he could redeem them but I would have to say, in my opinion, no, because they vacated their post, and not only did they vacate their heavenly positions, but they now commingled with human beings, which now takes that to another, another level, because now you have uh, interrupted the order of God, the perfect order that he had for us. Now you've commingled with mankind, which has now created a hybrid which again, I would think would further anger God. I, um, I have another question now on that, on that end, because when you talk about, uh, we, I've had uh, plenty of guests and friends of the show that come on and they have pretty much brought the, us into that mindset where when you talk about biblical heavenly battles, we aren't talking, we are actually talking about kinetic engagements, that these, these were physical, 
physical occurrences that that you know and and you know, we always thought of it as oh well if this happened it would be on a on another frequency of light and a spirit and, and what are their what are their weapons look like are, are they are they anything like now are they you know are is it star wars is it you know what's going on there so when you bring up the physical i thought that's so interesting and i want to ask you a question you both can have at it with this this one comes from mike from maryland and mike said if it were possible that if it were possible to quote paint with all the colors of the wind so to speak in uh, if bill's eyes could see what's happening in the spiritual dimension during an exorcism what would he see does jesus physically appear and physically fight the demon well that's a very good question so again and i'll let jason expound on this in a minute uh, i have to invoke the power of god right from the very beginning so i'm calling on the mighty and holy name of yahweh and I also am calling on Yahshua, Jesus the Christ. And there have been times to where I'll take people through vision quest uh, and say, I want you to visualize Yahweh's magnificent white light swallowing up all this darkness and garbage and fear and torment and trauma. And now I want you to see the majestic figure of Yahshua, Jesus the Christ walking towards you right now. And I want you to uh, receive him, see him, receive him. And so another thing that I do, Frank, that I feel is important that I've seen take place in some churches where they would have these gatherings and the pastor would start to, he'd have these people assembled in a circle and he would start to bind and rebuke and cast out demons. Now that's dangerous and I'll tell you why. For me, I have to call on God's mighty and holy warrior angels, his giant warrior angels, to come in and take them into custody. If I do not do that, if I'm binding and rebuking and casting out, they can jump into somebody else. They can jump into some other place. So we have to be thorough and, and really think about having those angels coming in to take them into custody so they can't do that. Mm. So, Jason, I'll let you expand on on what Frank was saying. What, yeah. yeah, what it, the thing that I wanted to jump in on was the previous question, which will actually lead into the current question is that, so we're dealing with different planes of existence or different frequencies and vibrations. So all of these things, we tend to think of heaven being up above us and hell being below us. And we visualize these landscapes and so forth, you know, hell being a very desolate and, and rocky and, and dangerous and uh, red and fiery smoke-filled domain in heaven of course being nothing but beauty and and you know beauty in its in its extreme Perfection, yeah. so these things exist but and we we also uh, have to understand that is are all these things existing simultaneously in the same space so when I explain as I'm going to explain in the seminar this Saturday that all of these frequency bands exist simultaneously. And when we think about, um, I think at least Bill and I are old enough to know uh, about uh, rabbit ear antennas on old television yeah. sets. And we know that when we had a very snowy, grainy picture that had no picture at all, and we went and we just very carefully adjusted the dial ever so slightly, or we actually moved those antennas, or we even touched those antennas with our own electromagnetic field and the picture became clearer yep. until the point it will become as clear as day. So when we're dealing with UFO phenomena or uh, ghostly phenomena, they'll always appear as grainy images. We're not gonna look at a star destroyer appearing in the sky. We'll see some blob, right? Mm. Or it won't be as clear as the Starship Enterprise, for instance, or we won't see a very physical form before us. 
because they're outside of our they're just barely entering our visual range which again is only one percent so they're just barely entering visible light and if we could fine-tune that antenna or if we were genuinely psychic and there are genuine psychics who will see these beings as clear as day as if they are physical standing in front of you or they'll see you know if we can turn the dial over so slightly we'll see a crystal clear spaceship we'll see a crystal clear apparition and then they could be gone within a second so all this ufo phenomenon like bill was saying it's all connected in that oh this this craft was going at impossible speeds and then it made a right hand turn and zipped right out yep and we think that's technology but it's actually shifting vibrations till it's gone within a flash outside of our visual range and it appears to us like it just teleported or it, or it went into a wormhole or by whatever it is it, you know that, that it makes me think about some of those stories um the people who have called into late night talk radio shows for years talking about how the night sky you, you're looking on up there and you're, you're you're just tracing your fingers along the constellations there and then to observe the night sky through let's say a night vision goggles mm. it just anything that adds a new a, a different kind of filter to what's going on up there yeah. and people have reported you know it's just it's just people talking whatever they think they've seen of supposed space battles right. going above yeah. us you know things yeah. that are just incredible you know bustling skies that we ought with the naked eye we can't see correct so we're getting back to the landscapes right what would it look like with somebody's being actually exercised what would it look like when this being makes its way into your house for instance I have a woman, Tracy, and she's my go-to psychic in all of these cases. In fact, I invited her to, to help us out with a case up in uh, upstate New York. And she has the ability to see what exactly is going on. And the things that she describes is absolutely mind-blowing. Not just the demonic forces that are there, but even on the house, even on the property in upstate New York, this this tear in space-time, right? Literally a a, a hole through which these insects are coming through right and the number of people the number of times she's described to me these five foot long three foot wide centipede type of beings attached to the backs of people's heads and down their backs and their legs True. sticking into their bodies it's it's i mean people would think it's it, I and mean, this is like call of cthulhu type of stuff yeah, right absolutely and these beings and she no amount of religious provocation or religious right will will expel this type of being because it's it's like an interdimension she calls them interdimensionals and she'll smoke them out or she'll burst them and she'll just destroy them with flame or fumigate them and how is this possible right she can see these things as if they are right there with her and deal with them because she has the ability to do so how i don't know i wish i in many ways i wish i could see like she can see so i can help more people but it, i know that if it was meant to be then i would have that gift and i don't i've asked that same question about things that are they they really they um when you talk about different um species of alien where someone will describe Nordics or reptilians or right. the insectoids, the, mm -hmm. these the kind of mantis creatures or all right. that stuff. Say, well, there's a difference between describing uh, celestial bodies and angels and all that. And then there's, say, you're looking at a bug. You know, the, it, it seems just too physical. And it starts, that's why people just, you know, have a, a lot easier time contemplating intergalactic visitation and all that stuff. I've also had people who have gotten in touch with me um, who are uh, abductees, right? And they'll say that, listen, I'm uh, I'm in the faith, I uh, accept Jesus in my life, and during all of these abductions, I have 
cried out to him and it has done nothing and these are not these are not these are not like you know uh you know the people who are just the trying to ask for a favor of someone that they right. otherwise don't pay any attention to so that's why i always wonder he says listen i and the reason why they told me that was not to to challenge the authority of Christ in an exorcist, extra, you know, spiritual uh, battle situation. But he was trying to say that no, I think that some of these things are actually physical entities. That just like if, if a serial killer is in your house, you can call out for Jesus, um, and uh, what the serial killer is still coming through the door. You know that that's what they have uh, they brought up. It there's a a difference between a physical entity and what you guys are describing as everyday battle in the well, spirit world. there is no physical. Right? Okay. Quantum physics has proven there is nothing physical. Everything is frequency and vibration. So wrapping my knuckles on this table appears to be physical hand against physical table, but it's really vibrational state or vibrational rate wrapping on something that's an equivalent vibrational rate. So really when you look at when you think about the different planes of existence right so all the different places that we've been told exist and all the different planes of hell and Gehenna and Gladsheim and all these these religious I'm sorry all this myth all these mythological or places that were defined through mythologies and so forth they're all uh, whether or not they're real I don't know I haven't visited them but like the fourth the fourth dimension the lower astral plane which is a very very negative plane of existence that's just outside of the third dimension I recently asked my friend Corinne, I said, have any of your people who do remote viewing and astrally projecting and things like that, have you ever visited this lower astral plane or the fourth dimension? Can you tell me what it looks like? Are there buildings? I mean, when we when we read the Bible, my father's, my it, there are many mansions yeah. in my father's kingdom and things like that. There's there's structure, there's, there's landscapes, there's grass, there's flowing water, there's all trees and amazing things and Enoch flowers. Enoch talks about it as well. Sure. So if we're dealing with a, the lower the lower fourth dimension, all of these places are physical to them in that vibratory rate. So what's fascinating, and I don't know if many people think about this, is the whole idea that we're ghost hunting is, is laughable, right? Here we are in these bodies, and we can only see 1% that's of everything that's around us, and we're claiming that we're hunting something that can actually perceive us easily, and it's just a joke. So these beings, so if, if, if there are all of these different vibratory rates, which I believe, of course, there are, and there are different frequencies and dimensions just outside ours and we can get into the the if 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 all the dimensions were a case in a book for instance and you had one page next to the page you have a page above it and a page below it and these are different dimensions they're all real landscapes they're all real places and to them they are just as physical as we believe we are physical and to them we're the spirits we're the indiscernible spirits that there may be they may be hunting us you know trying to say oh we we need to get evidence that there's this other dimension that people pass into when we've passed out of our body so what really happens when we pass out of our bodies when our conscious awareness vacates the body when the body is no longer functional where do we really go right of course we want to go to heaven we want to uh be with the father and we want to you know be saved and go home um and is it is your destination a direct result of your own frequency and vibration which again is also referenced in your belief right if you're a, a loving being and you're kind and you're full of compassion and you you have all the positive attributes of a very high vibrational being a you're much more defended against anything of a lower vibration do you go someplace different 
than somebody who's full of rage and hatred and, and service to self uh, and who's committed to all of these negative vibrations. I mean, it, well, that, that would make me nervous only because most people die. You know, when most a lot of people die, even though if they've let, lived very full lives, they, they die pretty nervous. You know, what's coming next? They're, maybe they're in pain. They're in agony in some way. Even if they lived a faithful, joy-filled life, I, I hope the last thing, I hope your ticket to wherever you're going next is not punched based on the last thing you felt because it's no, usually... definitely not. I no, we'll not. say two things. Uh, one... I agree with what Jason's saying here, but there's also another factor to this. Uh, it's my belief and opinion that our military and other militaries on the earth are involved with some of these types of beings. They've made deals with some of these beings in exchange for technology. That's how we've had this gigantic technological leap over the last 100 years because of being into certain agreements with certain entities. And there's also... Um, I've studied about, and, and I'll say this as well, uh, Frank, I have experienced many interactions with non-human beings, uh, angels, demons, and otherworldly beings, um, and I too have been taken somewhere out of my home and somewhere else. And so I understand how all that works, but I do believe that... Um, there are such agreements in place. That's how the government has the technology that it has. And I also believe, and we spoke about this off air, that um, the devil is using some of these beings, which I believe to be reptilian beings, as his um, enforcers and messengers who give the directive to the power elite on this planet and they have to follow those directives or else, period, end of story. There's no negotiation in it. And that's why our world is upside down and backwards, especially in America, because there is an agenda to destabilize everything. And it always goes back to Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Mm. That's where we are right now. Yeah. And so there very much is an agenda. I know it's real because I have been a participant in it. And I've had experiences with non-human beings that most people would faint, they would soil themselves, they would run, justifiably so. And it's only by the power of God that I could withstand it. But I'm going to tell you, uh, thinking of one such experience in 1997 that um, nearly killed me. I nearly lost my well, life. I, well, I mean, we, I have to inquire at least uh, in a shallow sense about one of these experiences uh, are you talking about being brought up into craft? Are you talking about being, uh, do you remember being dragged out of the house? Or is it one of those lost time where suddenly you are un in uh, miles underground or miles above in the air? Like, w Tell us about you know a place that you've been brought to off world to be with, one, was it an alien gray? Now, I could tell you a lot of those stories, but I'll tell you one that took place in July of 1997. Um, my wife and I had, I'd say it was probably about 2.45 a.m. in the morning. My wife and I uh, had turned in for the night. We turned everything off. Uh, at that point in time, we had a, a TV set with a, a VCR underneath of it, and the VCR had a clock. That's how I knew that it was 2.45 a.m. Uh, she went right to sleep, and at that time, we had a little dog, a little Yorkie, 
and you could she would bark at any little noise you couldn't sneak past her that's for sure i noticed it was very odd that both my wife and the dog were just out and the dog's bed was right next to my wife on her side and i was having trouble going to sleep i am hypersensitive to any type of supernatural phenomena based on the experiences that I've had throughout my lifetime. And I knew something was there. Couldn't see it, didn't see anything at the time, but I knew something was there and I would close my eyes and I'd open them. I must have did it a hundred times. So the next thing I know, I open my eyes and there stands at the foot of the bed at least seven feet tall a glowing being, uh, looked like a mantis type of being. It had the big black eyes, sort of mantis shape. It was like a yellowish glowing color and long arms, long skinny fingers. And I'm trying to wake my wife. She won't wake up. And the next thing you know, that I know is that this entity took its left hand and grabbed me around my right ankle and I will never ever forget the icy cold feeling of that hand and those fingers wrapping around my ankle and I felt like I was paralyzed hmm. and then it turned me over on my left side and then I was somewhere else and there was it was like I was sitting just think like the back seat of a car or something I'm seated there and this guy is in a black suit black hair clean shaven and he's to my left and he looks he keeps his body f forward but he turns his head towards me like that and he says don't tell anyone about this that was the last thing that i remember i woke up the next morning i was a power lifter at that time uh, i was a very powerful individual and i trained with very heavy weights and um, i felt like i'd had a a serious workout all my joints just ached. fatigued felt like i was ran over by a truck and uh so that i will never and, and i we could talk we could make a whole show out of the experiences that i've had with other worldly beings but i will never ever forget that and um i got very sick after that i uh and this is gonna as if anything else that you know that i've said doesn't sound bizarre but it's all true um i actually felt like it was dying and and this took place uh, it didn't end until so it started in July of 1997 and it ended uh, on December 16th and December 17th of uh, 1997 after that experience and I had another similar experience to where I was on board of some type of craft um, I had developed something to where I felt like I couldn't swallow I felt like I had a ball in my throat and uh, it had gotten to the point to where I was being rushed to the hospital because I couldn't breathe properly and I couldn't eat. I could hardly drink a glass of water. My weight went from 242 to 198 in a matter of weeks. My wife and I thought I was dying. I felt like I was dying. And then, and I was seen by eight different doctors. Nobody had any answers. They did a variety of tests. And then on December 16th, uh, 1997, I was brushing my teeth and um, I felt like a piece of the toothbrush bristle had come loose in my mouth and I reached in with my right index finger 
and I tried, I thought it was extracting the piece of bristle and out on my, the end of my right index finger was this gold flat chip. It was about a sixteenth of an inch in size and it was gold on one side and dull on the other. And I noticed that some of the pressure had come off of my throat and, and so I saved this. I put it in a baggie and I put it in a film canister. The next morning on the 17th, I started coughing. I was getting ready to brush my teeth again and I started coughing and I spit into the sink and when I spit into the sink, two more of those pieces came out. Oh. I was completely better after that. I could start to eat, I could swallow, I could drink, my weight came back, my health came back. Mm. Whatever that was, and however it got there, had it remained there, I think it would have killed me. When you say chip, are, are we? Are you just talking about something that's just a? I don't know. Maybe it's just an elemental thing, or did it look like a a computer chip? It looked kind of like a metal chip. It was gold on one side, and it was uh, dull on the other, and it was a sixteenth of an inch in size. I had it analyzed. Uh, one investigator, uh, supposedly in Houston took it to a team of people that worked on this kind of stuff and he said there was integrated circuitry in the pieces and they called it the bean biochips and uh, he thinks that it was part of my lab experiments or the military is working in conjunction with these beings mm -hmm. and they have target subjects and they implant people with these things and Frank I know this all sounds like crazy talk but I'm, I'm telling you right now, I can look you right in the eyes and tell you that this stuff is 100% true as I've described it. That's how it happened. And so much more I could tell you would blow your mind, but it's all true. I've, I've heard, I mean, there's been plenty of, plenty of people I've listened to um, and have written, and not, not necessarily Dr. David Jacobs or somebody like him, but I forget, someone who's very prominent on the implant phenomenon well so this dr roger lear daryl sims there's a plethora of those types of people out there roger lear is no yeah, so it's, it's, it's nothing that it's nothing that that is is new but it's uh, you're the first person i've spoken to who who's talked about implants especially yeah. in the throat usually yeah. they'll, they'll find a, a chip somewhere uh, you know in different different parts of the body they'll have to do integrative scans and all I that had one in my forearm uh back in 2000 and i went to my doctor and, and my doctor was aware, he was a friend, so he knew my story. And I went in there, I woke up one morning, I went to bed one night, everything was fine. I woke up one morning, I had this bulge coming out of my forearm, it was, looked like a stone. And the forearm, the area was inflamed. And I could literally pinch it like that. And I went in to my doctor and he couldn't believe it. He said, I've never seen anything like this. He kept pinching on it. He sent me over for uh, the one to do x-rays on it. And then they were going to try and extract this thing. This is another bizarre thing, as if, again, everything else that I've said isn't bizarre. Uh, on my way to getting the x-rays, I went in, and I have no explanation, but it was gone. It's it gone. It was completely gone. But at, at least at that, gone. at that but point, my doctor saw it. Your doctor saw it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I've, again, is this physical? Is it vibrational? Is it something that can just manifest inside your body at will because they can put it there, like all these like psychic surgeon surgeries yeah. and things like that? We don't. The, what we don't know is staggering. And but when you again, you think about and understand that really nothing's physical. So how can, you know, a 300 pound man be lifted out of his chair and blown backwards by an invisible force that is yeah. completely imperceptible yeah you know 
uh, it's enough to, you know, drive people mad. It, it's one thing to understand. So you have all these tens of thousands of paranormal investigators out there now that are all, you know, they all their teams and their t-shirts and sunglasses and baseball hats and all this stuff. And they're all, you know, everybody wants to get something on film and, you know, make a name for themselves and so forth. But so many of them don't even believe in the demonic they are they don't even they've never had an experience for themselves and until they do they'll never understand it and so many clergy like as we were discussing yeah. i sent emails out to over 100 churches about the event that we're i'm hosting and organizing and on this coming saturday and i was talking with bill on his warrior mode show and i said how many responses do you think i received from them out of 100 yeah none right correct none. zero and zero and i was stunned and you know, so so many uh like like my mentor ed warren he would when he would meet a priest he said are you a real priest or a fake priest and they would well what do you mean you know do you believe what you preach do you believe in the devil do you believe in god well yeah do you believe in the devil well no it's just all fairy tales and myths and so forth and it, it's staggering humanity is so woefully unprepared for the attacks that are now taking place absolutely that are absolutely unprecedented and increasing at rates that you can't believe and for what is to come and so when somebody does not believe that these forces exist and then are attacked by them in their own homes for instance that's enough of course to send them to the insane, insane asylum even as the ex you know the, the catholic exorcist uh, experienced because he, maybe he really didn't believe that these things could exist. And then you see it with your own eyes or you experience it. Um, or do you see it with your pineal gland or your third eye? Who knows? But you're having an experience. And so many people, the reason there's such an increase in this type, well, there's many reasons why there's such a huge increase in this type of activity. But one of which is using your God-given free will or your intention to seek out such an experience. They want to, they want to experience a demonic force coming into their house so they can have that experience and it's it's ma it's madness it is mad because it's then it's the dangerous. clergy you know it's it's ministers like bill bean and the and the the exorcists and so forth who go out of their way and put themselves uh at risk to go and clean up the messes that people are making it's like spiritual tourism it's like, insanity. insanity yeah, Every, everybody wants to go to jurassic park yeah. and, and see and see the the velociraptors but then you know the power goes out and they realize that you're you're just you know you're, you're lunch you are and, lunch and um you know, hey, let me ask you this then because this goes back i like that you prefaced you know people don't really understand where we're going to where this is all heading mm -hmm. and i want to ask a question about that in particular spe specifically end times prophecy and and all that but as far as i don't know the, the past like, like for example every exorcist i've ever listened to or read about is always consistent about one thing and that is that it, it is the commanding of the possessing spirit under the supreme authority of jesus christ but cultures and religions all over the world have been casting out spirits since before the birth of christ so right. so where where whereas i i don't uh, i don't in any way shape or form deny the authority of christ there seems to be more than a few ways to skin this cat so from your standpoint of knowing how these how the the spirit world works and all this stuff goes what do you believe that universal catalyst for success is in let's say 500 bc when somebody in north africa 
is is exercising a, a possessed person in their in their village? What, so what what's the universal catalyst for success? The creator. Yeah. It so it all comes back to the creator. Lorraine Warren, my mentor, the first question she asked me when she when I came to the museum to the class, which was all a synchronicity that was just amazing, but she asked me very seriously and looked into my eyes. She says, How strong is your faith, honey? And she'll look right through you. And the, the woman was amazing and still is amazing because she exists and still exists. Um, but I, I reflexively said, well, I have immense faith because I believe that I and the Father are one, right? Not that I'm Jesus Christ, but I and the Father are one because I have a connection, a permanent connection with the Creator that I've never chosen to sever. And I believe that the power of God flows through me and I have the authority to act as a, a conduit of that energy and that was it and she asked and she nodded and she asked why do you want to get involved in work of this nature and i explained that i read her the demonologist when i was a senior in high school and i was terrified for the families but especially the young, young children that were experiencing these types of attacks and so she, she asked so it's a calling then and i said i believe it is and that's why i believe I, everything in my life has been a synchronicity uh that that has orchestrated everything and put me exactly where I needed to be precisely when I needed to be there. But you're right in that Ed Warren, who approached everything from a Catholic perspective, he says, I've seen Japanese Shinto priests remove demonic spirits. I've seen shamans do it. I've seen rabbis do it. So all of these things and all of these people and all of, the, all of these different mindsets and faiths and so forth all call upon the one power of, that exists above and beyond anything else that is created. So nothing can withstand the will of the creator or the power of the creator. How can any of these Correct. beings, including Lucifer or Satan or any of its fallen angels, believe that they can withstand the will and the power of that which created them in the first place? It's, Correct. it's, it's madness. Absolutely so, correct. Yeah. So you're calling upon, like Ed Warren says, I would never cast demons out in the name of Ed Warren. I would invite attacks upon myself that would be unbelievable mm -hmm. and it's always the faith in the power of god almighty that that expels these interlopers these invaders from different yep. dimensions that's a good word yeah and uh sending them right back to where it is they came from and then they need to seek out a new conduit or a new way into this reality but that is the key frank and that is that is the situation we're dealing with right now because there are three ways in my opinion that these doorways are opened and one is your intention to initiate communication with or converse with or communicate with these beings through the use of a Ouija board, for yeah. instance. The second is outright over satanic ritual practiced over and over and over again in the same place, in the same position, with the same intensity to wear down that barrier in that specific location, allowing this channel or this gateway or doorway to open so when you look at a church and it's filled with invoking the power of the holy spirit and and worshiping god almighty and jesus and the you know the blood of jesus christ and communion and brotherhood and love and kindness and healing and health and well-being for the community that is of course a very positive location and you won't have demonic spirits invading a church in that regard because it's completely off limits. It's the it's the wrong vibration. It There's should no be frequency. anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so then you have the satanic rituals taking place, and they're inviting darkness and evil and despair and anxiety, all seeking power for themselves, mind you, and thinking that they can open a doorway to communicate with beings that would then empower themselves to live more uh, fruitful and productive, and of course. Uh, 
wealthier lives, and it'll always come back to bite you, as we're talking about with the generational curses and so forth. You'll always pay the price. You'll gain riches and fame and stardom and so forth, but you'll always pay the price afterwards because the devil always wants his due. Yep. So yeah, that's the second way is willful satanic practices to open these doorways. The third way is technological. Mm. I'm glad you said it. I've always talked about this. Um, I I call it the portal in our palms. Mm. These these uh, these phones, obviously. I mean, for some they are portals. They, yeah. they they're you can go anywhere. If you can jump into it, something can jump through. Right. I do believe. That, I mean, technology, uh, stargates. I mean, yeah. there's something there's something out there that's keeping connections to different worlds alive, and it also gives you access to things that can you know, make you obsessive. And I don't. I. I. It's all um, by design. I'm glad. I'm glad you bring it up because that the technology aspect. You talk about conduits. This leads me right into the uh, the end times question I have for you guys. The where we're the way I assess our society right now is that through the meticulous debasing and demoralizing of our of the last three or four generations. People are uh, the average person you meet. They're not, they're not devil worshippers, but they're just kind of inert, you know, spiritually inert. They have become kind of voided out. There's no real connection to uh, their their faith anymore. Not the the same way it was for their their grandparents or their great grandparents. Right. There's no real connection to any body, any person either. The it, lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah. Exactly. I, I feel that way. And it's yeah. not, and not to mean that people are not going to work, working honest jobs. They don't love their family. But as far as that, that part of their lives, we have been, we've been nurtured over the years to just say, oh, you know, that's, that's old traditional retrograde kind of stuff. You know, we're, 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 we're loosey goosey now, and we're very open-minded and liberal and all that good, good, gushy, creative well, nonsense. Well, I, we can see what the hell it's doing. It's cre it's making us into conduits, maybe un unwitting conduits for something else that does have an understanding of the world, that does know that spirituality is not silly, traditional hogwash from yeah. the past, that we are, there is multiple facets to ourselves. And when we've surrendered that part of ourselves, then, I mean, we're, we're, we're manifesting on behalf of something else. I always say that. Um, so my, my question to you is this. As when it comes to the end times, when it comes to the Antichrist, when it comes to prophecy, are these sessions that you engage in with people who are, are in the grips of a demonic uh, entity, are they, do they ever become prophetic in the way where you're facing off with a spirit who is obviously invested in the greater collapse of mankind and lets you know about what's coming next? Well, me personally, I do not have dialogue with demons other than to take power and authority over them. And if they are screeching and screaming and spitting or whatever, I, I may say, be silent. Yahweh rebuke thee in Jesus' name. I command you to be silent or I bind and rebuke and cast you out. I don't have dialogue with demons and I'll tell you why. Because the devil is the original liar. He's the original con man. He's the, the original rebel. How in the world are you going to have any type of dialogue? And I've seen others who claim to be, you know, exorcist or spiritual deliverance ministers or whatever, and they actually make YouTube videos where they have someone sitting, you know, how Mike's sitting right there, and and they're, the person supposedly is under demonic possession, and they're sitting there asking questions. What's it going to be like in 2030? What's it going to... 
Are you serious? <laughs> Are you? Si this is Jerry Springer stuff. Yeah. You don't have dialogue with demons in that way because they are liars. And even if you were really having an actual dialogue, do you think they're going to tell you the truth? No. So you don't, in my opinion, and I would never do this in my work, you know, sit there and have a dialogue uh, with a demon. Never. Other than to take power and authority over them. Hmm. And I'll tell you, Frank, you'd be surprised at how many uh, churches have brought me in to perform spiritual deliverance over the pastor, his mm -hmm. wife, the family, the congregation. They were actually seeing demons in the church. You'd be shocked. These day, this day and age is unbelievable. So we're talking about technology, right? So we have the, the multiple technologies that are allowing this to take place. One of which is the 5G Gwen Towers. Mm coupled with the chemtrails, right? The, correct the spraying, of correct. spraying the particulate into the air and the atmosphere that is to be charged by these 5G towers. They're not erecting these so you can get high-speed movies, <laughs> right? They're not spending all these billions of dollars for no reason. So it's what it's doing is it's creating this electromagnetic soup, okay, that's actually allowing this barrier to degrade and allow these things to come through. And then you have the, uh, that's bad enough, but then you have the CERN-Hadron Collider in Switzerland, where they're they're obviously they're they're openly claiming that wanted desiring to open up portals to other dimensions and opening the gates of hell I think was even a quote yeah. that they're now trying to 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 backtrack on they have a statue of Shiva the destroyer of worlds there Logo they had a 666 666 they had an open satanic ceremony during the opening ceremony for this thing so they're actually trying to tunnel. to crack open these dimensional doorways and then you have the nanotechnology that's been injected into people who willingly rolled up their sleeves the during the COVID, quantum computing right that and works at concert yeah that and works at concert yeah. with it. and so the cia i've seen the video where this it was a cia meeting and they're saying we need to turn off the god gene to end the religious fanaticism taking place in this world and it you know they use that as the excuse we have to get rid of these religious fanatic terrorists who would blow themselves to bit with to bits with vests full of explosives but what they're really wanting to do is to cut people off from their higher connection to god creator source jesus your higher awareness your pineal gland they're trying to turn everybody off they're trying to turn all the lights off they're trying to turn people into these obedient slaves and i'm sorry the gloves have to come off and that's exactly why i created the event that's taking place this saturday is because we are embroiled in a spiritual battle of epic proportions it is associated with the end times but is the Antichrist uh, as a idea AI? Hmm. Right? Is it possible? Because this, so when in the past, of course, this is something that's that's really interesting, and, and I'm sure Bill knows it because he everything he seems to know everything that I talk about, <laughs> and that is that Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, and Glenn A. Larson, who created Battlestar Galactica, were two of the people who were involved in meetings that took place regarding this AI threat that was taking place way back when in the 60s yep. and they were given the scripts to create these these programs right which are television programs which program Mind the programming you right that's why they call it the program guide the tv guide to show through soft disclosure what's going on so everything is ai and they're painting it as a rosy picture where oh we're going to be able to give the ability of paraplegics the ability to, to walk again and we're going to give you the ability to live forever in a half cyborg, half cybernetic body. So you get people like Elon Musk, who in one side of his mouth says that AI is going to be the destruction of humanity, and on the other side is putting up Starlink satellites to broadcast 5G all over the Earth. And do and, and developing Neuralink. 
So Correct. what is Lucifer called? The morning star, right? The bright and the morning star. So I put this right. together. Starlink, right? We're using 5G. We're using the particulates in the chemtrails. We're using the nanotech and the vaccines. And then the shots, of course, people are breathing in the particulates and so forth. They're, Every they're day. going to put it in all the farm animals. They're going to put it in your lettuce. There's no way you're going to escape being bombarded by this stuff. But there is a way to detox from it. And that's the that's the good thing. But they are actively engaged in those that are actually controlling them, meaning the Hindu, the, you have the realm like David Icke is a phenomenal researcher and I followed him for years and he and I, he had the same awakening that I had in 1990. We had the same I don't want to call it download or same awakening where we actually started to put the pieces together in this giant puzzle um, that is now a clear mosaic. He, he was laughed off stage 30 years ago and now he packs arenas at $100 a seat because everything he was talking about, especially the reptilians, yeah. which people just had a big old field day with, yep. is real. So when you look at the ancient descriptions and the worldwide descriptions of what these demonic spirits look like when they actually manifest, the cloven hooves or the reptilian eyes or the reptilian scaly flesh and the wings that are made of leathery material like a bat and things like that that's what they really look like that's their physical form in their physical reality that they're able to project into the minds of their victims or mm -hmm. the people that are actually now able to see them like we were talking about the woman on the plane recently yeah. oh, who yeah. saw this being yeah. because this electromagnetic soup is now saturating our planet through 5G and all the, the wavelengths, and HARP is another one, yep. right? Um, and the tech coming from the phones and the Wi-Fi signals, we are, we are in an electromagnetic soup right now. It's absolutely and it's true. Allowing, and with the Great Awakening, where people's vibration is shifting, we are going to see more and more and more of this, where people are going to start seeing these shapeshifters um, and freak out about it. And what happens when everybody starts to see them. Well, That's the Bible says men's hearts will fail them. So yes. in Revelation, uh, in these days, which I believe we are in these days now, like Jason just said, when this starts to fully manifest in front of the masses, you're gonna see tons of people dropping dead from heart attacks because they're not going to be able to withstand what they're gonna see. Right. It's, it's, that's, a, uh, that's something I always assumed would be the case. Seriously, I mean, we, we talk about that just from um, secular issues. If people knew how bad, if people knew what really held together earthly power structures, uh -huh. the, the, the blackmail, the intelligence gathering, if people understood what was really going on, uh, I mean, it wouldn't just be like, oh my gosh, it would be, it would be mind-rending. It, it would but, be life-altering on yeah. planet earth but what you're describing right here is something that is like the dream world is now spilling into the nightmare world is spilling into our world from yeah. the fourth dimension so yeah. it's this lower vibrational realm and all these beings are now getting full access they can stay here for longer periods of time oh so back to the cia stuff they wanted to create and i heard you know in the past of course there are all these negative ets now, again, they're coming from a different vibratory rate. They find it very uncomfortable to be here, as do apparently the positive ones. We're in a different vibration. It's very uncomfortable. The atmosphere is different. The vibration is different. But what they're doing through the nanotech and the shots and what they're doing through this whole uh, transgender movement, which is nothing more than a stepping stone to transhumanism, true. right? Absolutely uh, true. Is they're going to create hybrids that these demonic spirits or these beings from a fourth dimension can now come and inhabit freely assume control pushing the consciousness of the 
person that or the identity that once man uh, animated that body aside and assumed control is it a permanent control is it something that okay. allows them to say how do we deal with all this stuff but here's the one thing is that there have been reports of even lions right in these game preserves who have been injected with these vaccines that sharply turn behind them as if they see something that is absolutely terrifying and then drop dead of a heart attack and i've seen a video of the lion and I've seen videos of people. Yeah, they whip their head around like they like something just they're called their name. Like they're seeing something, and they turn around, and it is so absolutely horrific. Their heart fails them, and they drop dead. Okay. So, yeah. Um, there's a, there's something I have to ask you about. That now I have to I have to broach a, a a topic that I have brought up with several other guests in the in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, we can handle it. Bill. Uh, yeah, no, I think We're up you, for it. you guys will be fine. I also <laughs> I th also uh, would like to ask your permission to bleed over past nine o'clock a little bit. If yeah. that's okay. I have to, I'm picking up Archbishop James Cloud at Bradley tonight at midnight. So I have to leave here by 10. Oh, okay. That's fine. Right. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll be done by 10. I, uh, cause I have Mike, an, you I go have with an, that, bro? Cousin Mike. <laughs> I can't believe this. I want him on camera. I want him in the interview, but he doesn't, he's too humble. Oh, he's, 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 he's too humble right now, but he's a, he's a, like you said, he's a musician. He's the a performer star. like the rest of the people in my family. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's just incredible. The, the synchronicity tonight, but, um, I, would you also be comfortable with me opening up the lines to take some calls? Yes. Yeah. Sure. sure absolutely. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can call in, ask a, ask a couple of pointed questions if you ha if you have them, um, because I want to get maybe about four or five of you in. It's 914-200-0269. That's 914-200-0269. Call in and ask a question of... Uh, uh, Bill, uh, Reverend Bill Bean and Jason McLeod. It, also, you guys, it should be known that I named tonight's tonight's uh, episode after this seminar that you guys are doing on Saturday. It's called Defeating the Demonic. Can you please quickly tell everybody where what, what this is going to be and yes. what's going on? Thank you. Um, I had this idea two months ago when I woke up early morning and I said, you know, I do all these other conventions. I, I go all over the the country sharing my information and my experience and my purpose was always to warn young people against dabbling in things they don't understand specifically through the use of Ouija boards and negative occult study and practices and so forth so I decided I was going to create a an, immer an extreme immersion event meaning you're going to be immersed in the stories and the experiences of these amazing people like Bill Bean and three others and i'm i thought i thought about who to bring in and bill was the first person i thought of because we worked together and we're so much on the same page yep. regarding all these subjects it's it's fantastic and you are too it's really great to be on a show where you know you you're aware of these things and you bring it forward for public consumption because that's what's needed we can't pull punches anymore so i call it defeating the demonic because there is a demonic force that is absolutely invading our world and it's increasing exponentially the number of cases of inhuman diabolical infestation and oppression and possession are are increasing exponentially and there is a need for people to become aware that we are embroiled in this war it's a spiritual war against powers and principalities yes that are orchestrating you know intending and orchestrating our complete destruction and and uh complete conversion into an artificial uh human 2.0 cyborg being that they can then uh, infest and possess. Absolutely. And I'm and this bringing. Is, it's in Southbury, uh, Connecticut. Yeah, Southbury, Connecticut. And, and the, what's the email address so people? Or, or what's the the? Uh, so I'm the, using a new uh, 
service called eventany.com because I'd use that when I applied to be a vendor at one of these conventions and I just went with that. But you can go to my main website, which is www.darksiege.com and just scroll down and you'll see the main graphic for this Defeating the Demonic um, seminar. You just click on that. It'll take you right to the tickets page. So okay. people can walk in. It's at the Heritage Hotel, which is a beautiful uh, conference center in Southbury, Connecticut, off of Exit 15 on 84 between Danbury and Waterbury. And it's a $35 general admission. I'm bringing in Bishop James Long, uh, who's a friend of mine who's a huge proponent of my books. And he uh, is now a star in Eli Roth Presents Legion of Exorcist show. Uh, he's been on many others, of course. But I'm bringing in Archbishop Ronald File Enright, and he runs the International Order of St. Michael the Archangel, Order of Exorcists. And he is bringing in a literally an amassing an army of exorcists from all over the world under his umbrella to combat and be ready for to be ready for this onslaught that's taking place and to combat it when it takes place and then archbishop james cloud and he is a mental health professional he's a master's level substance abuse uh, uh counselor and his main message is and the reason i wanted to include him in was just because of this if the faithful in christ are eating each other alive then the devil's already won you're either on the force of light and love and peace and god almighty or you're on the force of darkness and evil and destruction and pain and ruin that's as simple as that service to others or service to self and we are broiled in this battle and i i brought these amazing people together so we can all explain our experiences in the four phases infestation oppression and possession and then deliverance and exorcism and bill of course is a is an expert in all of these but he'll be covering the deliverance aspect and James Cloud will be discovering or covering the mental health um, counseling that needs to, take, needs to take place after a deliverance or exorcism takes place. Now, Bill is also an expert in going through people's homes and finding why have these doorways been open, aside from the Ouija board, but like the case in New York, we were looking through, <laughs> yeah. we were finding these action figures or paintings or drawings. Cursed objects. Cursed objects, um, uh, clay sculptures that were created by the people that were obviously being affected by these negative forces that are acting as conduits or acting as as uh, focal points that you you focus your awareness on to cause these things to come in but anyway i'm, I'm gonna so yeah. the the seminar is available for live stream so it's a 20 dollars live stream ticket you can watch it from anywhere you're also going to get a fully polished edited completed version of the, i'm having a professional film crew film it of course as well you have the general admission for 35 you have early seating for 65 which will get you other perks and then all at darksiege.com darksiege.com will take well, you to the event and epa page e-v-e-n-t-e-n-y.com and well, you just type in defeating the demonic i'm going to get around to that again before we, we get a, a jump off here because i know that's where you guys why you guys met up and frank you should come and cover the event your yeah. cousin is going to be there it, imagine yeah i know it's going to be <laughs> I, i'm actually going to be at a wedding probably somewhere around i'm going about a, a, an hour into connecticut mm. on saturday so i wouldn't be surprised if we're not too far away from each other i don't know where, where it is exactly south Barry, connecticut exit 15 on 84 yeah well i uh, i don't know i oh, imagine it's right next door 
I can, I can just, you know, during cocktail hour, I can, I can get over there and get a blessing. Everything from a bishop. is frequency and vibration, so you can just basically dematerialize and rematerialize. Oh. Right there. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, that would be perfect. Because I'll honestly, at this point, I'm done with planes. I know. I'm done. Oh, with it's planes. ancient technology. Now, uh, before we go to, because now the the uh, I have calls that are coming in from all over the place. Okay. So I want to get to these calls, but uh, since we're doing some overtime, I want to spend the next couple of seconds to to ask a question that popped up for me when you brought up transhumanism mm -hmm. and how what you're really doing is creating uh, vessels, vassals, for something else to come in. And what is it? Are these human beings? Now, I want to ask you a very specific question about fertility and all of these, um, all these test tube laboratory babies, the artificial wombs and all that. Sure. I, I ask this question a lot, and Bill, you, you please jump on this and, and let me know what you say, especially what you think about this. I, um, here's, a, here's a question from, or from, from Colleen. Called in, said, hi, Frank. I met a, a guy a couple of months ago, and he told me there were generations of people who were born without heart chakras. Now, I know that's very... Eastern, I know that's very new agey, age, yeah. but um, we're born without heart chakras. This aligns with the theory that there may be uh, that there is a soul, that the, there is a soul, but we're, we're wondering about mechanized f fertility. At what point does the soul come into this child, and is it possible? Is it possible that you know that every every person is is uh endowed with a spirit just because sperm meets ovum um even though that is happening in a test tube and then dumped into an artificial you know latex sack and all that other stuff and I, i'm wondering it there at, at what point of like what what is the spark what where where's the spark of life comes from it has to be in through the actual conception two people joining together can it ever actually produce a human being if it's a complete even if you have all the genetic components are you ever creating a human being in a laboratory setting so what i understand is um i've studied dolores cannon's quantum healing hypnosis therapy in ex in excess i've studied many of her books and and it, it all seems to generate the same response from everybody that's taken into this super conscious mm -hmm. or higher conscious awareness and that is all we all the body is is a spacesuit it's a spacesuit it's an it's an avatar that we are able to use in this dimension just so we need a spacesuit to be in outer space we need a deep sea diving suit to be under the water in that pressure in that environment right and this is an environment it's a dimension it's a reality and that Dolores Cannon talks about non-player characters or periphery people, people that aren't really ensouled. They're actually non-player characters. They're not. There's no spark in their eyes. There's no. And the eyes are the windows to the soul. So when you look at demonic forces that are black-eyed beings, it's terrifying to even behold. I've seen it. Um, they they have a completely different energy within them. So. I believe, and I've, again, I'm a big fan of David Icke. He spent, you know, 30 years revealing these things. And he talks about that when you have higher consciousness that is operating outside of this 3D matrix, you know, think about the terms of the movie, The Matrix, and so forth, and it's not far off at all, um, that can that is conscious and aware and fully connected to creator, all that was, is, and all that ever shall be, who then incarnates into a physical body 
they have a spiritual awareness already they have a uh, ability to discern things the way they are versus somebody who's completely shut off and blanked out and that's what they want meaning the powers that control everything they want a completely shut off blanked out controllable enslaved race of human 2.0 cyborg True. that they can basically control indefinitely because if you have a if you're partially cyborg and partly human you're transgender so let's get back to the transgender transhumanism thing so yeah, now real quick so we can get yeah these, yeah so the 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 sperm rates have plummeted in everybody that's taken the shots they're after the children because they're trying to knock out the ability for us to reproduce naturally and i believe the type of soul that comes into a in, in a body that is created from two people in love right and two people that are that are procreating with the intention of bringing in another soul from god is so much more powerful than lower chakra lower frequency aggressive guttural uh sex you know right for the purpose of just satisfying their physical urges instead of acting as this conduit the type of soul that can come in at that point is is light and day or night and day it's very again you know you're you're talking about before the that almost like a that uh, resonant frequency that you bring with you into the next life sure. or you know into uh into the afterlife mm-hmm. where does that leave you in the the hierarchy of you know things and then off, of course there it is your introduction what what frequency are you created under you know is it this this explosive power of create of of a creative love coming from two people or are you just two chemical compounds being mixed in a laboratory hatchery somewhere yeah, well that's so, that. that's know, to create the you know, physical form the soul is different right, right. the soul is a cre- is created by the creator we can genetically produce reproduce we can genetically alter animals atrazine introduced into the into the water will turn a uh, male frog into a female frog for instance right mm-hmm. they're putting atrazine in the water surprise surprise so back to the transhumanism really quick the transgenderism is to get people to disassociate with their gender male or female and just be a thing it's also to they're pushing the de- disempowerment or this this bull bull about toxic masculinity Right, where they're yep. diminishing the father, right, as the high priest of the household, right? You were Correct. that's one thing that's that I really loved about right. you, Bill. And they're pushing the female, right? The the um, the female takeover, for instance. So this generation Roll now this yeah, this generation now, um, the children now that are all being groomed, right, to question their gender as if you're not male or female, but you're 80 different definitions or who knows how many they have now these are the adults right when they grow into the adults because nobody's going to be be able to procreate naturally anymore the number of miscarriages that are taking place is unprecedented of course and the number the sperm counts are plummeting to the point where everybody's going to be grown it grown in your your pod like you're talking about there's no need for mommy there's no need for daddy right and all of these these babies that are born in these pods that aren't naturally I mean, when you when the baby exits the female body, that's when its immune system is is activated, because it's coming through into all that bacteria and all that stuff. When you breastfeed, you're getting your your immune system boosted and so forth, and you're 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 creating a connection with mom. During the whole COVID outbreak, when all these children were masked, or their parents were masked from the moment they exited the womb, there's total disconnect, right, between soul and soul. Yeah. And that's what they want. They want everybody disconnected. 
They want everybody controlled and manipulated. They want no connection to source or to God or to creator, Yahweh, or any anything of a higher vibration. It's a complete nightmare, dystopian. It's a bl- it's a blank canvas. Talk it about is slavery. Talk about it slavery. This, slavery. It's absolute slavery. Yeah. So let's call. Let's take a, let's take some calls then. I want to see what people are thinking. Um, and Frank, let me say one more thing before we start. Please, call. please, please. There is a code on the DNA of every human being. There's a number, ten five six five, and you can look this up and verify it for yourself. And that code in Hebrew lettering is Yahweh, Y H W H, Yahweh. So his name is Y A H W E H, but Y H W H is the code ten five six five. Punch it up, research it, and you'll see it for yourself. So we all have the creator's code on our dna the divine code so the trying uh, again trying to just separate the mechanics from the actual spark to create these i, I guess space suits that would be uh, a utility that just they can just jump into bodies. Yeah, host, host bodies. bodies that's all for demonic forces host yeah. dimensional beings yeah okay yeah well that's I, I guess we're all on the same page that's what i've always pretty much assumed but it had a hard time articulating all right uh let's take some calls 914-200-0269 first one up is uh ray you are on with reverend bill bean and jason oh, mcleod please. thank you thank you hi ray um mike hey how are you great yes go ahead ray all right all right my question is um <clears throat> Definitely, we are in a uh, supernatural realm that is around us, and we know that Satan is in heaven, and Michael is going to kick him and his cohorts down to earth. So we are going to have to deal with Satan and demonic forces here on earth. My question is, do um, you gentlemen think that we have seen the mortal wound of the beast with Trump coming on the stage or is that yet to be in front of us in the future well I think that there are many antichrist on this earth and I think there have been for quite a while and uh, I'm sure that there's going to be one in my opinion that will emerge as you know the chief of the antichrist that are currently on this earth now who that is i can't say for sure i have my beliefs and opinions perhaps the antichrist is among us now um we'll see however the bible does tell us that satan is going to be kicked down onto the earth do you not think that satan himself could not be the antichrist oh it is quite possible but i think something that jason said earlier about AI, that very well could be the um, revelation of the chief antichrist that would capture the minds of the people because we live in a, and I'm sorry to say this, and I'm certainly not better than anybody else, and I don't come off that way, I'm just speaking truth. It's very sad and unfortunate that our world is made up of a world of followers, especially in America, and people are asleep and they will go along with anything that feels good or any type of presentation. So uh, what Jason said about AI does resonate with me that it is possible and plausible that the whole world would bow down 
before this fallen angel technology uh, to worship it. And we're talking about the mark of the beast, right? You shall not be able to, uh, you know, buy or participate or in the world or sell. Yeah. And they're talking about this this digital cryptocurrency or digital currency, yeah. digital passports, digital vaccine Everything. passports. It's completely monitor and control every aspect. And if you don't play along and you don't submit, then they just turn your accounts off and you start it. I, for one, will be the first one to say, later, I'm out. Me too. Right? I'm not taking your technology. Over I don't my care. Dead body. I know that I am eternal and that I will live, you know, in the house of the Lord and so forth. And but I believe that our fate is to remain here and to do what we need to do. Well, thank you so much for the call, Ray. The wonderful. God bless you, Ray. Yes, let's take another call here. Uh, Eight one five. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, um, hi guys. Nice Hello. to talk to everybody. Hello. Great to um, talk I just with you. Two quick questions. Go ahead. Um, the first one is, I know, I know you've covered that, um, like, possessions and things like that have increased. I'm curious to know, like, has the severity of the possessions increased as well? A caller, you know, that's a great question. Um, Bill, I'll, I'll direct this to you first. Um, I, 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 I mentioned that I think it's a, a, personal, a personal habit of mine that maybe about once or twice a year I'll go through all of the seven episodes that Father Malachi Martin did on Coast to Coast back in the 90s. And one of the first episodes they did in like 96 or 97, he back then, as a resident of Manhattan, New York, said that he believes that that uh, demonic possession was up 700%. That was back in 1996. Now, uh, I don't so know... would that be 7,000% now? <laughs> I, I would just... You know, and, and of course, 7,000 from what from what was the baseline number but in your in the time that you've been active and as the, the caller is saying do you believe that that possession is on continuing continuing to be on the rise and the severity i mean I, I, i'm go ahead yeah i believe so and i'll tell you why because um i'm one man and i mostly work alone and my operation is nearly a 24-7 operation. I get to bed at 6.30 a.m. every morning, sometimes 7 a.m. Depends on if I'm doing a session with somebody. Uh, I'm seeing it. Uh, I showed Mike when we were standing on the corner before we came in here. Um, I have to have my phone ringer off because so many people are contacting me. It would be a full-time job just to answer the call. So I got to return everybody's call and, and so I'm absolutely seeing uh, a just substantial increase in the amount of people that are being affected. And um, I have encountered and been in some life-threatening situations to where uh, people were so violent that they wanted to shoot me or stab me. They've uh, struck me, they've tried to bite me, they've spit on me, uh, projectile vomiting. You just would have to see it with your own eyes to believe it. I, I, one case, the individual is biting chunks out of his flesh. Um, and during that uh, exorcism, his face, as the demon was leaving his body, his face, his cheeks went up like this, and his chin went down like that. So from the cheekbones down, it was just like an inverted triangle, and then it left through the top of his head. Jeez. When these demons leave, they will leave through the top of the head, the mouth, or other places, and uh, you just would have to be there to see it. And even if you were stand, standing there 
at seeing it for yourself, you would rub your eyes and go, did I just, did that really just happen? And this is on the increase for you. From, yeah. from a, at least from an anecdotal standpoint, you see nothing but increase yeah. and, and severity and, too. And I'm telling you this, Frank, there's no human way possible that I could do this kind of work without the power of God working through me. Just the fact of the schedule that I keep and, and the lack of sleep and all these things, I would have died even from a heart attack or something years ago had it not been for the, the power of God and his blessing and favor and protection over my life. Oh, I believe it. Caller, uh, you said you had a second question. Quickly, you can go right ahead. I do. I'd like to know what is the importance or how do you feel the importance of being baptized or baptism would play in all of this? And just, that's a great yeah. question. Um, and so in a lot, in most of the spiritual deliverances that I perform, I always suggest having a baptism, and I'll tell you why, because there's a final piece of the puzzle for the person to be blessed, sealed, sanctified, purified, cleansed, and made holy before God. So everything is washed away clean. Um, God has worked through me to evict the demonic entities and all the curses, hexes, vexes, and spells, and whatever it may be from the person, but then the final piece is to get them into a baptism and it doesn't matter if the person was baptized before as a child or even in later years because when a person is overcome by evil like this it is necessary for their temple to become completely clean so again they're presented before god as blessed sealed sanctified purified cleansed and made holy Mm. And it's another added level of protection, vibratory yes. protection, the armor of God, for instance. So that was also very important uh, when I was working with the Warrens. They were always very concerned about that and, you know, the need for people to get baptized to add that level of protection against yes. these dark forces. But when you look about when the, the first portion of the, the question was, have you seen an increase in the levels of possession? Look at the increase in the levels of violence that's taking place oh. all across this country and the levels of insanity yeah. that's taking place. Um, Off the charts. The, the road rage and the people just going completely berserk and, and resorting to incredible violence, if not, you know, uh, homicide is just insanity. You know, I, 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 my daughter was one of those, those babies born in the middle of, she was born in September of 2020. So it was almost like this little uh, window of sanity opened up that we had enough time to get into the hospital over there in Connecticut, have her get out and you know just get to our our quiet little life and over here and, and do whatever and because of all the delays that that added to everything in society um we, it took us until last october to get her baptized but i was so mm. and that was very very important for for me Good and, for you, and me and 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 my wife lauren and we were just um you know, just just laying the groundwork especially when i do all this i mean this is my night this is my nightly this is my work. You know, it's my full-time job it's now. It's heavy-duty stuff. It is heavy-duty. You see it every day, and, and it really finds its way into everything. Um, it, it's it's historical. It's it's the future. I mean, it, it's so much, and I want to take some more calls. Let's go to Let a... Let me just say one thing really quick, and that yeah. is that the I was just researching today about what is actually their intention in creating these satanic rituals. I mean, what do they say openly? We know what they're really trying to do. And I talk, looked about Anton LaVey and the Satanic Verses, and he actually baptized his daughter 
through Satan. I mean, yep. think about the opposite. So it's an unholy baptism. Yeah. It's incredible. Sorry. Yeah. I no, just to say that. It, it, that was the other thing there, too. I ever, always wondered about that. You, you said how there is like these intergenerational blood curses and, and mistakes that you can make 100 years ago that your family's still Correct. paying for years later. And uh, I, you almost feel like that could be impossible for the for an innocent child to have their their lives messed up by a conscious decision that their guardian is making on their behalf to make them the party to a, a ritual that curses them. You would think that the, the it's it's horrifying to think but about. But the some patterns can be broken not only through eviction, um, you know, through. Uh, performing a spiritual deliverance or exorcism and, and that type of thing. The patterns can also be broken. Comes back to one thing. If you never read anything in the Bible, go to Deuteronomy 28, read that. And if you hearken on to the voice of God, that means make him first, you will be blessed in all of your ways. And if you don't, you will be cursed in all of your ways. That's So that sums up the entire message of the Bible for me that uh, in your real and authentic and personal relationship with God, if you do decide to make him first, and I'm a living witness to it, my life was horrific until I decided to make him first and my life completely changed. Two steps forward, three steps backward because I developed uh, behavioral patterns that were not good and I had to break those patterns. But once I did, I never look back and the closer that I drew to God, the closer that he drew to me and the more blessing and favor started coming on my life. Let's take a couple of calls, take a couple more calls. I want to just, I want to take this to 930 because I don't want you guys to we, be. We could do this all night. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Trust and me. There... You, you can, I can take <laughs> off and you can, I mean, I have to go and pick up James Cloud, but yeah. you continue till midnight if you need to. Listen, this is great stuff. <laughs> there's a wonderful thing. There's a wonderful uh, thread that we made for tonight too, that I, I, I drew from for a lot of my, uh, a lot of my questions and stuff and people, I hope people on the forum, you can go in there and talk to others and put your own story about demonic possession and all your questions and but uh for now we got a lot of live callers let's go to kim are you there kim hey kim okay kim's listening Hi, to the kim. show all right Alyssa. what's going on Alyssa? you're on with reverend bill bean Hi, and no, jason no, mcleod oh, who's this this is, this is glenn glenn Alyssa. sorry sorry glenn tell Alyssa i said hello glenn go right ahead Hey, I uh, just want to say I love the show, and um, I quit drinking 13 years ago and never felt better in my life. Praise it God. It feels like I finally got clarity back. I went to Christian school when I was young, and, you know, of course, I tried to get away from the faith, but it, it always drew me back in. But not drinking, and I hate to say smoking weed, Yep. Um, really dulled down my senses and now i feel like i'm whole again good for you, know, you it allows me to love god i work at the hospital help people and it just really really made me feel better by not poisoning myself and that's you know exactly what, I mean? and what you were doing you guys that's brother that's exactly what you were doing was poisoning yourself yeah for the you know we would have witchcraft seminars at school like for a whole week and they would talk about all of these things. I'm 53. You know, this is when I was 12, 13 years old. They yeah. would talk about all the witchcraft stuff. And it's so strange to actually see it coming true, you know, like years And it's years all in later. plain so sight now, Glenn. We have all these entertainers and performers and oh, athletes. Man. 
uh, and, and politicians and everybody else that are doing things in plain sight that are invoking evil and, and are absolute uh, witchcraft in nature in some of these things that are being done. I mean, it's wide open now. Most people can't see it. Thank you so much for the call, okay, Glenn. Let me, well, let me ask you one more question. Look, what quick. about the action figures? Do you think that those are demonic figures? What like, figures? You know, Superman, action. Hulk, and things like that? Are those false idols? Not those. But I, I was in my friend's comic store yesterday. He's one of the promoters for all these conventions and so forth. And they made the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons series from the original. And there was the the Friti, right, which was a classic red devil demon. And I said, and I told him, I said that would be the first action figure that Bill Bean would throw out and burn it, throw into the fire. Absolutely, I would. <laughs> if we saw Absolutely. that in somebody's home and so forth. So it's again, these are you know, it's it's idol it's idolatry and it's it's idolizing these dark demonic forces like they're cool well you know uh, when it comes to those when it comes to figures and movies and and comic books and everything uh, i think that the more that you you open up your eyes to to how occult imagery works and 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 the messages that are pushed out there where those messages were formed formulated and how they were proliferated around the world and all that i think it's a little bit easier to engage with modern media and understand what's being done to you and um and to also put everything in proper context, like I, I'm never, I'm never, you know, I, I've never in my life worshipped a a comic book character. Oh, there's Mike. Sorry, Mike, put you on screen for a second. <laughs> I've never in my life worshipped a comic book character, but um, you know, for for some people, that that's especially for children with with broken homes, those become role models. And, but um, that could go all the way across the board, Frank. With with me, it was sports. Uh, I suffered so much as a child. My only outlet was sports. I was uh, a, a very good athlete. But I'd realized as I got older, especially when I decided to make God first in my life, that boy, I was putting sports ahead of my relationship with God, and I had to stop that. And I had to get a hold of that and say, wait a minute, because that's where idol worship does come in, and He will not be second to anyone or anything. Yeah, I th I think that's one of those things where we just kind of got to balance it all out uh, because there's so much there's so much still value in the stories that we tell, the characters that we create. Um, it, it, there's there's lessons in everything, and I I think it's still very beautiful. But again, who takes control of our cultural institutions, and what? does it start serving is it is it any more just light entertainment is it a little bit is it an inspiring story it's for you think? indoctrination in my opinion they, and yeah. this goes all the way back to the military industrial complex this started in the late uh, i'd say probably 1956 uh the plan started unfolding to destabilize america and the way to do that would to be break to break up the american family right and so the spirit of rebellion came in and i'm sorry to say because i'm a musician but it came through music, and, and so it was designed to turn uh, and put a rebellious spirit in the children that would cause a divide in the family. And then, by the 60s, drugs were introduced into the culture, with, into the, by the CIA, by the way, in, into the neighborhoods and into the concerts and all that kind of stuff. And that was the final nail in the coffin. And we are where we are today as a society because of those things that were implemented back then, there's an, uh, a book called Weird Scenes in the Canyon, The, the Adventures of yep. Laurel Canyon. David McGowan, he lost his life 
because he presented a truthful story about these things and people like Frank Zappa, whose dad was part of the military industrial complex, mind control ops in Edgewood Arsenal in Maryland, and, and then uh, moved around and ended up in California. And Frank Zappa was a Charles Manson type of figure that had underlings and people that were worship, worshiping him. Vito Paulikas is another one. They had all these uh, types of individuals that Captain Beefheart, that was another one. They were all like Charles Manson type of figures and the people were just completely mesmerized and taken over by him. I know that book. That's a uh, very interesting book. I have to read it again soon. Uh, now, I, I've made a, a, a very, very foolish mistake, and that is to ignore all the super chats coming in. So I have to try to blast through these. Let's do it. Uh, let's see what we can do here. First one is Stostube says, Another great show is expected from, the quite, from, quite frankly, and its support of great independent media, Frank. Here's a shilling or two from the Stubes. We appreciate you and the team. Much Fantastic. love. Thank you so much. Gino says, Love all you do, Francis. Much love to Lauren and Aurora. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Gino. Awesome. Sentinel from Theta says, great show, Frank. Good presentation by your guests. My mother was delivered from uh, from oppression at a, a, at an altar call. She was delivered from the suicide ideations. Uh, God bless. Praise God. Katie Skye says, he said that love is the highest vibration and that they feed off of fear. Does he ever show the demons love and tell them that God loves them? So I had, an, in my case, that I wrote about called Dark Siege, A Connecticut Family's Nightmare, and the sequel, The Nightmare Returns, these spirits wanted to regain entry into the house, and they took the form of black-eyed children, and that's something that was fascinating to me, is they nice. wanted to be let in. And I, when I pulled into the driveway, I saw them, and they literally disappeared in you my headlights. A, you have a black-eyed children story. Yes. These stories yeah, yeah. mess me I up. I pulled into the driveway, and they literally vanished before my eyes and then appeared in the back seat of the car that I was driving. And I said, I can either be full of fear and realize that these entities noticed me coming in because I was instrumental in helping expel them the first time. Uh, and they appeared in the back of the car. And what I did instead is I remembered my mentor and my teacher, Lorraine Warren. And she was in New York City, and she was being approached by somebody behind her who meant to do her harm, and she knew she couldn't fight him off, so she turned around, smiled as brightly as she could, and she beamed love at that person who literally stopped in his tracks and said, what the hell did you just do to me, lady? Right? And that's what I remembered, and I just radiated love from my heart, pushing from my core back against these forces and literally pushed them out of my car through the intention of raising my vibration. If you're full of fear and you freak out, that gives them the open window oh. to come in and attack you. Yeah. So that's that's an example. Okay. So, but but Bill, on your end, on your end, it sounds like you would just. It's not a matter of whether or not you would show demons love and tell them anything. When you are doing what you're doing, you are only acting under authority of God. It seems correct. And and, and therefore, there is no conversation outside of commanding them out. That's right. Okay. That's so there, my approach. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's not even your responsibility to convey love to these eternal, eternally damned beings. Well, everybody has a different calling and a different way of going about things, and I understand what Jason was just. But it wasn't about sending love to them. It was about raising my vibration in the way that I know how in that to love. To protect is you. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. a self-defense mechanism, and it, they moved right out. And, and I can believe that. Uh, for me, it's a little different because, and maybe it's because I was victimized so much in my childhood that I have this ferocious 
uh, aggressive approach against these entities um, because I really do take the sufferings of others very personally and that puts me so I just see myself as a line and again it's not that I'm anything Absolutely. special but it's the power of God working through me so I have to see myself as that fierce warrior always always on guard and ready 24 mm-hmm. um, 7 here is a as far as fears well one more Benjamin uh, Benjamin Farina says uh, hey a great show last night Frank book club 2024 with Alaric the Barbarian oh that would be that would be interesting there thank you so much for that Ben um, Stostube he gave me another one right now he says if this is seen before the guests are gone Sarah Stostube uh, Christos's wife um, would like to know if you have any advice on how to pray over children who have bad dreams or bad feelings before bed. Best thing to do is visit my website, uh, BillJBean.com. Click on the page that says Prayers to God, and there is a spiritual warfare prayer that you can say over your child every night before the child goes to sleep. And uh, I pray that that will bring comfort. And if you're having that type of problem and, and it's not going away, then I would suggest that you reach out and contact me or Jason or somebody else. Get help. Don't let it go on because the longer you let something like that go on, the more of a stronghold is going to develop and the more empowered that entity or entities are going to become. Mm-hmm. Um, here's some more from Rumble. Rumble, uh, Jason from LV says, love the show. Uh, Cody117 says, can you ask if he knows Tony Merkel from the confessionals? He's a great dude, and this topic is his life. Do you know Tony Merkel? I don't. Do you I, Jason? I, I know Tony. No. I, I, if you ever want, I can, I'll text Tony afterwards to see if he, um, that would be another great show for both of you guys to go and do. Okay. Uh, especially if you travel around. Um, I think that he's somewhere in, I think he's somewhere in Tennessee. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, that'd be I'll great. Be in if Knoxville you, in August. Well, if that's the case, maybe you guys can all meet up and, and do an episode together because this would be really fascinating. Be fantastic. I'll, yeah, I'll see if I can do that for Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Um, let me see. Um, uh, uh, Sean Joe says, "I ain't scared of no ghosts." Uh, Good for you. <laughs> Fredo Awakening says, "Crazy stuff tonight." Would absolutely love to have Gordon or Alberino. Weigh in on some of what your guests were describing. If all this stuff is legit, I wish more people would take pictures of it. Uh, what do you say about that? To, to, to take pictures of, I don't know, like what, what you're describing here. I don't even know what the hell could be taken, what picture could be taken. Well, you have a slide a show there that I presented to you, and there are some pictures there that I've taken over the years or pictures that have been taken of me. And it does reveal anything from angels to uh, demonic entities to uh, non-human looking beings to UFOs. Um, so I've had those experiences. And, and for the by and large, I haven't. Well, I, I can't say that. I do have quite a, a photo collection of. What's this? Demonic entity. That's a demonic entity. And you can look right there and see. And that is something that appeared over the uh, where I live at. It appeared in the woodland. And look, there's, uh, that's my mother in 1975. And look at the alien face in the mirror. And look oh, at the little guy. And look at the little gray guy standing right there. You can see the flash of the camera coming off of its head there, standing right by her. That's 1975. In well, the house that we grew up in, that I grew up in, that it was physically attacked by demonic entities from age 5 to 12. What's this one Those right are here? two more demonic faces. And if you look at it real closely... It's like a mantis. Yeah. 
and that is a hooded demonic entity. Oh, I see the hood. Yep. So again, these things are vibrating outside of our normal senses to decode. So how would a camera, in many cases, pick them up? A lot of times, these things are projected right into your mind through your pineal gland. Yeah. And you won't get a thing on the camera in many cases. That Is that that's one of your own pictures of those rods? These are all my own pictures, yeah. And that was a cylindrical object that was taken in, uh, I believe that was, I want to say the year 2001. That, what you just went past, that's footage that I captured uh, a year or so ago, right from my office window. Um, this craft, I mean, look at it. That's that's not any standard type of aircraft light, or I mean, it stayed out there for quite a while. And I've had so many, I continue to have these types of experiences. I've had many divine experiences with these types of things, but I've also had many demonic experiences as you know, well. I'm glad you brought that up in, the, in the, 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 the last couple of seconds we have here is that we're, we're talking about some, some really scary things and uh, our, our demonic, uh, evil, uh, I, I would say malicious, malicious entities, the only ones that possess a person. I mean, we hear about things like divine intervention where, where God is working through somebody to, you know, to, to bring about a, a piece of art or, you know, inspiration, whatever. So, th so that's a divine uh, message, purpose, motivation. He did the same thing with me when he put the calling on me to become this spiritual warrior. I didn't choose this, he chose me to do it. However, I resisted that by my free will for a while. So we all, you know, have the ability and capability to resist a calling because God, there's only one case that I know of in the Bible to where God uh, superseded free will. And that's when he, uh, he had Jonah swallowed up by the whale, which I believe was a, a UFO flying Merkaba object and deposited on the shore because he wanted Jonah to deliver a message to the king of Nineveh to tell him that if he and his people didn't change their wicked ways, they were gonna be destroyed. And Jonah hated the Ninevites. He did not wanna go and deliver that message, but Yahweh made him to do so. So that's the only case that I know of where God superseded free will in the Bible. Uh, so he loves us, he gives us free will, but the devil also exists because of free will. He's the adversary to mankind because of free will. So it is he who will look for openings to send demons in. So just like Yahweh sends angels to us, we have these guardian angels, the devil will send demons in and their mission is to kill, rob, and destroy, and they do possess people. It must times. be, and I think about that, I, what if the devil ever uses his free will to say, you know what, I, I, I wanna make up. But he, he's just not going. Not he's gonna just going to hold that. He must be Italian. He must hold that grudge. <laughs> he's he's holds got that grudge. Uh, yeah. You better believe he's got that grudge. And again, <laughs> if you held such a high place in heaven and and were so favored, and then all of a sudden, the uh, Christos, the Melchizedek, the high priest for God, the uh, anointed one, Yahshua, Jesus the Christ, comes onto the scene, and now he's second fiddle where he thought he was the first. You know, and he was the favored one. He was beautiful. He had jewels and pipes in him. And now, you know, Jesus has come on the scene. Well, he's livid over that. And then Yahweh's going to create mankind and give us free will. And he was really livid over that. So he lost his, his great job, his great position to be reassigned as the adversary to mankind. So he's very angry. 
Well, I have a couple more things here. A um, re- couple real quick. Thank you, Robert Sarns. Thank you, Sean Joe. Sumter says, fantastic guest. We need this going forward. And Cave Toad says, he parallels with Timothy Alberino's birthright. Other places now, too. They Did uh, uh, did they read Enoch? Uh, or, or wait, wait. No humanity awakens. Oh, wait, wait. wait apparently, I don't know how that's being written right there. I don't know if it was a question for you or if it was just rhetorical. I don't know. But uh, great guests. Everybody's very complimentary. Thank you to and everybody. One Thank last you. thing over here is from Twisted Wizard. says, question for your guests. What is their opinion on removed scriptures such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Book of Enoch? What great guests and very based. Great show. And uh, second question, are you aware of the, the work by Greg Barden and the language of the divine matrix? Greg Braden. Yeah. Braden. Braden. Yeah. Braden sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and, Braden. And the Bible... In the King James Version of the Bible, there's 66 books. 66 books of 600, 534 were left out. So in Catholic versions of the Bible, you might have 50-some books, 83 books. There's Ethiopian Bibles that have 83, 87 different books. So this is for another show, another time, and I hope you'll have us back. Oh, I would love to have you guys back. Constantine the Great is the one who formed and shaped this version of Christianity. Okay, and so um, King James had a hand in this with his version of, but someone like William Tyndale was put to death because he presented a very accurate version of the Bible that was not going to fit the narrative that was presented. And he was put to death, and others were also put to death by presenting other versions. So there are 66 books in the King James Bible, and 534 were left out. Now I'm going to say this, and we can't go too far into this. This is something else that Jason and I will probably be talking about on Saturday. I don't know if you're aware of this, Frank, or your viewers, but there is something called the Mandela Effect Mm -hmm. that is very real, and there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that are now changed in the King James and other Bibles. It started in the King James, and now it has gone to other Bibles, And that's another topic for another time, but rest assured, I can prove it that this is absolutely true. It's really happening. Supernatural changes, too. Yes, this is true. In books that have never left your possession. This is through AI, fallen angel technology, CERN, quantum, D-wave quantum computers. I I have many Bibles in my home. I have one Bible that's uh, 160 years old, and... The scriptures have been altered in these Bibles. I have a Bible in that bag right there. And the scriptures have been altered in my Bibles, in my possession, in my home, and other people as well. I've given lectures across the country on this topic Mm -hmm. in churches and venues, and people are aghast when I say to them, open your Bible and you'll see this for yourself. Yeah, this makes so much more sense as to what the purpose of the man. I always ask myself, okay, all right, all right, Mandela effect, and we follow along with a lot of them. But I always ask, well, where, what was the epicenter? What was actually being changed? Because it's one thing to say, well, I remember, I didn't. Uh, Captain Crunch was Captain Crunch, right. or the, uh, all the discrepancies and the the misrememberings we have of what Darth Vader tells Luke. You know, I said, okay, well, you know, Snow it, White, Magic Mirror, exactly. It's to sow chaos and confusion and to confuse the right. masses, so but that right. no one will. People will thirst for the the Word of God and they Amos will not 8. find it. Yeah, 
Amos 8. It's that all, makes a little bit more sense. They're all dark changes. They're all associated with witchcraft words, uh, yeah. words that have no place in the ancient text, but are now modern words that replace it. And I watched Bill. In fact, Bill, we've had many conversations where I called him up and I just talked to him. I said, yeah. you know, what about this? What about that? Yeah. And, and it's absolutely mind-blowing. But the D-Wave is something I completely forgot about, this supercomputer. Yeah. Well, that's not what I brought up and before. And that's a major player in this. It works in conjunction with the CERN device. Yeah. So you have something that is programmable that can take a directive from the portal opening in CERN and however they do their magic. And, and now you have something that can program and literally make these. I'll give you another example. Roman numerals. So if you have a Roman numeral clock or watch, take a look at it. Because Roman numerals, the five and the six, they look like V's. Not anymore, they're upside down, they're A's. Wow. And what? if you want to check the most obvious and glaring example about how the Bible has changed, we all know that the lion shall lay down with the lamb in Isaiah Revelation. Isaiah 11, 6, yeah. Now it says the wolf shall lie down with the lamb. What do you mean? And that's where it started <laughs> for me, Frank, is that I was contacted, I performed a spiritual deliverance for a lady in Scotland. And she sent me a video after that saying, have you seen this? And I was annoyed because I was very busy and I thought, I don't have time to look at this. But God really stopped me and said, take a look at this. And that was the first scripture on there that was changed. So Isaiah 11:6 is one of the most popular scriptures in the world. There's statues, there's paintings. I have a little figurine on my desk of it. Needle, and the lion shall lay down with the lamb. And now it says the wolf. But I, I'm I, I'm I'm just looking at the Roman numerals right now, and yeah. I, I don't I, I mean V. I see how when the with the so the, the so the V the round it clock used to be a V. Now it's a it's an A. So, so they're upside so they're inverted, inverted now. So you're yeah. saying that whenever you wear a round clock, they used to be able they used to flip it up so it stayed upright, but now it just follows the the. So like the five and the six okay. look like V's. Right and now yeah. they look like A's. Gotcha. Okay. Well, well, the. the, the like I said before, when whenever you bring up uh, Mandela effect, I always wonder what the real target was. All the things that we noticed division and confusion. Yeah. Well, what, but but what we noticed pop culturally, I say oh. that that must just be collateral damage. In interview for a with op. interview with a vampire is now interview with the vampire. So, sex in the city is now sex in the city. So I was at a flea market really quickly couple summers ago and there was a woman selling books and I finally got to see with my own eyes the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs book which now says magic mirror on the wall yeah. instead of mirror mirror we know yep. it's mirror mirror they made a Star Trek episode about it called mirror mirror right yeah. so then I found this section in her she had an Anne Rice collection and I found interview with a vampire and I held it up to her and I said what do you see is something wrong here and she says what the hell and then I started talking to her about the changes in the King James version of the Bible yeah. there was a woman who was, whose back was turned to me, she spun around and literally turned into Bilbo Baggins with Smeagol over, over, overriding her face. You are a deceiver! Literally looking like this, this vicious, snarling hag. Yep. Like I'm trying to deceive people. And I had a conversation where they're trying to say, go get your Bible and take it out and go look, look at, at it changes. for yourself. And these people, it's that was like a they, they live moment, right? You I've got one. I got to I gotta see this for myself. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I remember interview. I, I know it as interview with the vampire. Nope. Oh, it's a it vampire. interview with a, with a vampire. Yeah. yeah. I, yep. And Snow White was mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And now it's magic mirror. Yeah, Mr. So Rogers, cases. it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Now he says it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. 
What? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I don't drink, but I might start tonight. <laughs> it's, I, the Mandela geez. effect. We could go all night and you'll long find just videos, on this. You'll find next, videos of Bill Bean talking about the well, Mandela effect. Next yeah, time, next time you come by, we'll, we have to jump into Mandela. We have to jump into a lot of different things. I don't know how often you travel up here, but we'll keep in touch. Yeah, and, you better uh, believe we will. In the meantime, so we got BillJBean.com. Uh, Jason McLeod, you are the, uh, the, the driving... Force between uh, behind putting together He's defeating, the guy. defeating the demonic that right. is at darksiege.com d a r k s i e g e dot com. That's if my you... main website. Just click on the graphic that shows the defeating the demonic with Bill Bean's portrait and the portrait of the other four. And please, if you've enjoyed this show, check us out on the live stream by buying a live stream ticket for twenty dollars, or come in person. We're right there in Southbury, yeah. Connecticut, and it's going to be four hours. You'll never forget. Think about everything that we've just talked about in two hours, but now we have five people who have just an incredible amount of information. We're going to share it with the world, and it's very timely. Please consider joining us. I can't wait. I really, uh, I can't wait to see uh, what what comes of this and and where you guys go go next. Uh, man, uh, thank you for everything and. I think that's I think that's it. We've enjoyed it, Frank. And yeah. I want to thank all of your viewers out there for uh, being a part of this, and we're glad that they enjoyed the information as well. And God bless you and your family and everybody out there. There's Thanks. also a fundraiser tab on the tickets. So if, uh, my goal is to take this nationwide and worldwide. So if anybody out there you know knows anybody with deep pockets that want to contribute to us sharing this message like we did tonight. I, we accept any donations in the fundraiser tab, and that would be a blessing yeah, absolutely. to us and to everyone else because we'll get that message out to people. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you both, uh, Bill and Jason. This has been fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to be on air closing out the show for the week tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We'll just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, take your calls. I know, like every other time we have a show like this, um, that there's going to be an influx of emails, and I will pick a time next week, maybe Tuesday night, to sift through some of those emails. That's the only night that I think I have a little bit of uh, a leeway. So, But we'll, we'll see. Tomorrow night, call on in. Tell me what's on your mind, and this is, this is going to be great. I'll make sure, guys, that I will update the description of the episode with all of the emails and, and all that. And, Bill, uh, Thank before, you, before we go, a, a, anything else you want to just say in, uh, in in conclusion as a farewell? Well, I just want to say this. Again, I thank you very much for giving us a platform and the time to come in here and, and have a great dialogue with you uh, and your viewers as well. And if there's anyone out there that may be in need, and if you feel like you're under attack and you feel like, I mean, there's a plethora of warning signs, visit my website, BillJBean.com, click on warning signs, and if you're you know, experiencing some of these things, then get help. And whether that is with me, Jason, or anybody else uh, that is an agent for God, get help right away. Don't let it go, because the longer you let it go, the worse it will get and the more powerful it will become. Thank you again, sirs. It's been great. Thank you. Okay, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. Enjoy your evening. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Stostum and Gino, Sentinel from Theta, Katie Sky, Benjamin Farina, and Twisted Wizard. All of our friends on Rumble and all of our friends over there on Foxhole. We will see you tomorrow and uh, hang out tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv. I don't know what we got planned, but it's going to be cozy. All right, say your prayers before bed. Good night.